sharp in South London later. Stuart Hazel, who's 37, had denied killing her, but changed his plea yesterday after four days of evidence. The court was told that he killed and sexually assaulted Tia before hiding her body in the loft of the house he shared with her grandmother. A new system for integrating health and social care is being introduced in England to try to ensure that more patients receive the care they need. The idea is that GPs, nurses and social workers cooperate more closely. Here's Michael Buchanan. The problem is widespread. Too many people are falling through the cracks between the NHS and social care systems, resulting in patients simply not getting the support they need. So the Care Minister, Norman Lamb, is to make it mandatory for all areas of England to have integrated health and social care teams by 2018. The move has been widely welcomed, but as there are no funding commitments, questions are being raised about its likely success. Age UK reports today that the length of time people are staying in hospital is increasing. Outside London, Milton Keynes has the highest number of families placed in temporary B&B accommodation for longer than six weeks. The council spent £370,000 housing people at the Ashrose Hotel in Bedford last year. This woman and her three children are currently living in one room there. It's very, very, very hard. It's very hard because I have to share everything with kids. It's already 11 year old, so I don't know how to manage with him. We just have to share everything. More on this story up next with Ian Lee. Members of Bedford's Polish community are calling for their language to be taught more widely in schools. According to the Polish-British Integration Centre, private classes aren't enough, as Serena Farrow reports. The manager of the organisation says it'll help both English and Polish children to communicate with each other, particularly outside of school. Mags Brady also says it would make integration easier. She claims that many young Polish people forget how to read and write their native language, so never actually become bilingual. Therefore, this would allow them to preserve both. In sport, Watford play Crystal Palace in the Championship playoff final in two weeks in Wembley. It comes after Palace beat arch-rivals Brighton last night at the Amex Stadium, courtesy of two goals from Wilfred Zaha. The weather, sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 12 degrees Celsius. That's 54 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's flipping cold out there and I've lost a coat. I've lost a coat? I don't even drink. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including, do you live in Buckinghamshire? Well, we'll look into why your police and crime commissioner is being criticised for hiring a chauffeur. The Taxpayers Alliance will be on the show next to give their view. We'll be finding out why Milton Keynes is the highest number of families with children outside of London living in B&B accommodation for longer than they should be. And should Polish be taught on the national curriculum? The manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, thinks so. We'll look into why she thinks it could benefit both British and Polish kids. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So many Polish over here. A day doesn't go by when I don't interact with some Poles. It would be great if we could speak their language. What do you think? Your kids should learn Polish. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Lots of ways to get in touch. As some of you are doing already. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or, look... People are calling in already. I'm not sure what I've said that's so outrageous, but 08459 455 555. 
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Police and Crime Commissioner for the Thames Valley, which covers Buckinghamshire, has been criticised for hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. Wouldn't that be nice? You have to get the train to work, don't you? Or you have to drive to work or get on the bus or ride your bike. Imagine! Imagine! If you could get your own chauffeur. 20 grand a year. Oh, don't worry about that. Someone else will pay for it. Well, previously, Anthony Stansfeld used a small police office near to where he lives as a base from which to claim travel expenses to the head office near Oxford as expenses can't be claimed from home. He denies using a sham office to fiddle his expenses. Well, with us now is Robert Oxley from the Taxpayers Alliance. Robert, can you explain in simple terms exactly what Mr Stansfeld did? Well, what Mr Stansfield did is he has to commute from his home to his main office, which is about a 45-minute commute. It's about 37 miles. And what happened is suddenly he set up a small office in one room in his local police station. And every morning he would go there, check in. And then because he checked in, it meant that he could now claim his journey on expenses, something that he'd not been able to do. And obviously, you know, that might be within the rules. But to anyone looking at it, that looks like a cynical attempt to maximise the amount of expenses, the the amount of taxpayers' money that you could claim. And he kept this arrangement for two months, and it ended up costing taxpayers an absolute fortune. How much did it cost for those two months? Do we know? They're saying it went up 6,000%, or nearly nearly £450 uh, just for each mile. He received... When Seven he, pounds one one month, and then four hundred fifty pounds a month later. I when think. he went to this office, this small office, did he do any work in the office, or was it literally he'd sign in and then and then go off? It's not exactly clear, but it does appear that you know he would just sign in and then head straight to his main office. His main office was in Hungerford. It's you know quite a far distance away. So you know, this idea that somehow you'd need a small room in a local police station uh, to do your role as a police and crime commissioner, I find that very difficult to believe. And look, you know, let's not forget that police and crime commissioners were elected to make the police more accountable. They weren't a way for politicians to get more expenses out of us at a time when police budgets are tight. He stopped claiming the expenses now, hasn't he? But he's got a chauffeur. Was that the right decision? I don't think it was. So he's gone from maximising his expenses, deciding to he's going to get someone to pay to drive him. To, he's going to pay someone to drive him around the county all all the time. And I just think that maybe his his focus should be on delivering value for taxpayers' money, not working out who he can get to pick up the bill for his driving costs. And, um, and yes. The chauffeur's twenty thousand pounds a year. I, I'm assuming we're paying for that, are we? Again, this is this is paid for by taxpayers, and the problem is is that you know, we have seen this from a couple of the the newly elected pl- police and crime commissioners is that you know they have been pretty loose with taxpayers' purse strings, and you know it does worry me that at a time when ordinary families they're being asked to tighten their own belts, that you know the police and crime commissioners seem to think that they can go on a bit of a spending spree with other people's money. One argument could be, Robert, that the the reason he's being chauffeured around is it allows him to work in the back of the car, so he could be working for longer. 
No, I think we would all love to be able to be driven uh, to and from work and um, you know, be able to work in the back of the, the car, but you know, that's not the reality for most people. Many of us you know, have an hour commute in and there. I'm sure there'll be many people preparing for their commute now, and they work just fine. They don't need to spend 20 grand of somebody else's money just to be chauffeured there and from. So, but, you know, I said a lot of us work hard. I'm sure that you know, police and crime commissions are doing a good job, but the problem is in this case, it does look like rather than um, uh, you know trying to do something which is in the best value of taxpayers, what he's done is something that's in the best in his interest financially or in his interest for convenience sake. The Thames Valley area is huge. Uh, is it comparable to other forces? Well, look, it is a big area, but there's you know you've got you've got borders, um, uh, police areas. You've got very there's large um, police authorities or police regions which are you know quite regional in the same way the Thames Valley one. You, know, you can go from one place to another, and you know they haven't got chauffeurs. This is the first police and crime commissioner to have got himself a chauffeur. So I think you know they do need to look at what they're doing, and they will have to justify this to taxpayers because they are elected, and when they come up for election, a lot of people are going to be saying, well, hang on a second, you know, look at these arrangements. They might have been within, been within the rules, but you weren't really doing best by me. So you know, they will get short and sharp shift on the doorstop. Robert, what do the other PCCs do? Well, there's a number of PCCs who just, you know, commute in like most other people. You know, they, they, they already get a very good salary. You know, this, they're not poorly paid. There are others who have looked, who've got, you know, hired, who've hired cars, and there are the ones who've spent lots of money on PR, and I think this is what we're seeing. This is the first time that we've seen kind of, you know, this, this is the first time police and crime commissioners have been in this role, and clearly, you know, some of them are taking it, taking to it and identifying value for taxpayers' money as one of their priorities and representing residents and trying to drive down crime and make police accountable, and others are maybe enjoying perks of the job a little bit too much, and the problem is, those perks come at taxpayers' expense. Robert, we, we have to end it there. Thank you for your time. Rob Oxley there from the Taxpayers' Alliance. We did ask Mr Sansfield to come onto the show. He declined, but the Office of the Police and Crime Commissioner for Thames Valley sent us this statement. The room the PCC uses at Hungerford Police Station was a spare, unused office. A small amount of work was undertaken to prepare the office for the PCC's use as part of the recent scheduled maintenance and refurbishment at the station, and therefore limited additional works and costs were incurred. The mileage expenses that the PC claim between a PCC claim between November 2012 and March 2013 were in respect of him incurring relatively high mileage driving his own car to undertake official business. Since April, the PCC has had the use of a Force X Fleet car. This is a five-year-old high-mileage, low-value vehicle that was scheduled for disposal by the Force. Accordingly, the PCC has not submitted any mileage claims since then. Well, what do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. The phones have lit up this morning. Are you all excited about the prospect of learning Polish? It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Of course it does.
morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. There are so many polls in this country, we interact with them every day, in shops, in, in walking down the street, in all kinds of places. We should learn Polish, shouldn't we? Makes perfect sense to me. 08459 455 555. 616, here's Adam Glynn with the travel... Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 55 clockwise, the exit slip road to the northbound M1 has been closed. There's an overturned lorry there and a spillage of diesel, so they're doing the recovery work right now. That means if you're going clockwise around the M25, you currently can't join the northbound M1. It's been shut since the early hours of the morning. Recovery's been there since about 20 past five, but the lorry's load is going to need to be transferred. The diversion, you just have to continue to junction 21A of the M25, then head south on the A405, and you can rejoin the M1 then at junction six. Chilton this morning disrupted from Marlebon to High Wycombe and to Aylesbury Vale Parkway while they do safety checks on the line. They're doing safety checks to the bridge at Neasden Junction. That means at the minute most services to and from Marlebon will be starting and terminating at either West Ryslip or Harrow on the Hill and they think this could be ongoing till 7.30 this morning. Your tickets will be accepted on First Great Western services if that's any help. Greater Anglia disrupted as well this morning. Liverpool Street through to Chesant and Hartford East because of overhead line problems between Southbury and Chesant. It means Chesant services via Southbury are diverting to Enfield Town and Hartford East services via Seven Sisters are going via Tottenham Hale. Theobald's Grove, Turkey Street and Southbury stations at the minute are not being served. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, 6.17, it's Tuesday the 14th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Police and Crime Commissioner for the Thames Valley is being criticised for his decision to hire a driver at a cost of £20,000 a year. Stuart Hazel will be sentenced later after pleading guilty to the murder of his partner's granddaughter, 12-year-old Tia Sharp. In sport, exactly a year to the day since they won their first league title in 44 years, Manchester City have sacked manager Roberto Mancini. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 12 degrees. Coming up before 6.30, we'll be finding out why Milton Keynes has the highest number of families with children outside London living in B&B accommodation for longer than they should be. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS Show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS Show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. It could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same. Same for you. It took one phone call from yourselves, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show, weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Very occasionally, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about something on the show and the phones will light up immediately. Well, it's happened this morning. The manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, is calling for Polish to be taught on the national curriculum. She believes it would help British children and Polish children integrate better and accept their differences. Well, what do you think? Would you like your kids to learn Polish? Big Polish community in Luton. Polish is the the most commonly spoken non-native language in the country. 08459 455555. Uh, Steve from Luton, it's a good idea if we all learn Polish, isn't it? 
Oh, you know where I'm going with this one. Not really, no. Listen, we've got enough problems teaching our own people English without teaching other people Polish at the end of the day. And if they wanted to speak Polish, they should go home and speak Polish and then come back then. We got, I say, well, what are they demanding that for? We don't demand things around the world. Well, tell all, we do demand things around the world, but we do demand quite a lot of things yeah. around the world. Steve. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We probably do more than what I know about. But in the, the day, we can't afford it, and we've got enough problems with our own kids that can't read and write. Why are we teaching? I know what we we teach um, Spanish and French and all that. But I suspect that's down to. Business and people go there. Well, no, the reason. Sh- Should I tell you, Steve? Should I tell you the reason why we learn why we learn French? You're going in, right? Because it's the nearest country that has a foreign language to us. That's that's the reason. There's a, there's no there's nothing beyond that. No, well, I don't know. I thought it might have to do with business. No, or business. Sort what of business? Do we, what business did we do with France in oh, the seventies? I, I, I don't know. I'm just a small leg in a, in a pan, isn't I? So I don't know everything. So. And what else but is in the day? About the post thing. Not interested. They're taking my jobs as usual. You know what my feelings are on immigration. At the end of the day, we've got enough problems with our own people. But I'm, Steve, I'm Steve, listen. To look after our own people, nobody else's. You're a sm- you're a small egg in a pan. Yeah. Next to you, there's a sausage. <laughs> Next, there's a little bit of a bit of um, um, blood pudding. There's a bit of, a bit of a fried slice. Why, is, yeah. why can't we all get on together? But no, you get that, like that Steve. You get that fried slice. You get that sausage on that fried slice. You get your yeah. egg on that fried slice. What a gorgeous breakfast it would be. It is. It's a numbers game, nicking my jobs at the end of the day, and then and they're cheaper prices. Then it's just it's the, it's not just them; it's other people as well. Steve, we've got to end it there. Thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, Wendy and Hart says no Polish should be taught in school. We don't have Pakistani or Indian lessons in school. If people want to live here, then they can learn English. Well, I think it makes perfect sense. Lots of Poles. It would have been so much better if I learnt Polish instead of French. What use was French or German at school? In Shurikong, Vikomik Ambessens and Barnov bitter, but when have I ever asked where the train station is in Germany? Never. Spoken to lots of Poles though. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'm still imagining Steve's breakfast. Nice thought.
song now Now, in the second of our reports on homelessness, we look at Milton Keynes. The new city has the high... I know it's not a city. Every time I call it the new city... Why do we call it the new city, producer Laura? Because every time I do it, I get a right royal rollicking. It's not a city, it's a town. It's not a city. Because it was designated as, in inverted commas, a new city. Yes. um, When they brought together three of the kind of main villages which became Milton Keynes, and that's how it's defined. So it's not a town, it's still classed as a new city. City, but, but it's not a city. Actual city. Because so. I, I was designated to be a successful television presenter. Can I? <laughs> and I'm not. Can I still? Can I still call myself that? Of course. Okay. Excellent. And there we go. That's that cleared up. The new city has the highest number of families with children outside London living in bed and breakfast accommodation for longer than the legal limit of six weeks. MK Council spent almost £370,000 housing people at the Ash Rose Hotel in Bedford last year. Well, one of those currently placed there is a woman who wishes to remain anonymous, who's sharing a room with her three children. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, went to meet her. You just have a a double bed, a bunk bed, corner with a TV, another corner with a basin, and another corner with a fridge and a wardrobe. And this is where you live. This is where you've been sent or been placed by Milton Keynes Council, is that right? Yeah, that's right. This is where I've been sent by Milton Keynes Council after some domestic violence. So they sent me here since 11th of May. Oh, 11th of March? Yeah, 11th of March, I mean. How do you find it? Would you rather be in Milton Keynes? Uh, Normally I came for another places just to Milton Keynes. So I've never been to Milton Keynes before. It was my first time because of domestic violence. Mm. So I want to change the place. Then they sent me here. How do you find being here? Uh, it's very, very, very hard. It's very hard because I have to share everything with kids. It's already 11 year, year old. So I don't know how to manage with him. We just have to share everything. Yeah. Yeah. So your son is 11 and your daughter playing on the bed there? Two. She, two, two years old? Yeah. Another one at school. And another one at school. Yeah. Oh, so you have three children. Yeah, I have three children. Three children in this in this one bedroom. Yeah. What do you do during the day? Uh, just take them to school and then come back here. I don't know what to do. Do you go to school locally in Bedford? Yeah, yeah. I have to put here because it was. They, they told me to do it. They told me to put them at school because they don't know how long I'm gonna. I'm going to stay here, yeah. So that's why they have to go to school, isn't it, at the end, yeah. So you could be here indefinitely? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Some people are here for 
five five months. All the people here, they're all homeless. Have they all been placed here by Milton Keynes Council? Yeah, yeah. In this house, particularly by Milton Keynes Council, yeah. And how many people in this in this hotel? We had, let's say, seven. Seven, seven families. Mm, seven families. So where would you, what would you like, where would you like to be and what sort of circumstances? Well, I'd like to be in the normal house, not actually. I used to live in the normal house, isn't it? So I'd like to be in the normal house. It's difficult for children to change your school because they have to change it at the end of the year. I don't know when. So they have already changed three schools in one year. No, it wasn't fair at all. Three schools in one year? Yeah, because where we come from, there was on the school. Now they are going to another school. I, I don't know where I'm going to live. I do, they have to change as well. It will, it will be three. Mm-hmm. No, it's not fair. But. When you came to Milton Keynes, I don't think you expected to end up in a hotel in no Bedford. at all. No, <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, at all. But because they don't... They told me that there were few people in this situation, the same like me. So we have to wait until... It's like a queue, you know. You have to wait on your time, yeah. So you're in a queue to, in theory, get a house in Milton Keynes? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly, yes. But you don't know for how long? If some people are here for five months, six months, six, six months... Well, you can see pictures of the room that she's staying in on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Right, here's the travel with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've got a fair bit of disruption already this morning. M25 clockwise, the exit slip road to the northbound M1 is closed because of an overturned lorry and the resulting spillage of diesel. They're recovering that now, but the lorry's load is going to need to be transferred. So at the moment, you can't go from the clockwise M25 onto the northbound M1. Your diversion continues junction 21A, head south on the A405 and join the M1 at junction 6. Chilton disrupted between Marlborough and Birmingham and Marlborough and Aylesbury. It's because of safety checks that they're doing at Neasden Junction to the bridge there. It means most trains to and from Marlborough are in fact starting and terminating at either West Ryslip or Harrow on the Hill at the moment. And this disruption's likely to go on for another hour or so. Your tickets will be accepted on First Great Western services and on the London Underground if either will help you with your journey this morning. Greater Anglia affected by disruption from Liverpool Street through to Chesant and Hartford East. It's overhead line problems between South and Chesant. That means Chesant services via Southbury are being diverted into Enfield Town. Hartford East services via Seven Sisters are being diverted via Tottenham Hale. And as it stands, Theobald's Grove, Turkey Street and Southbury stations are not being served. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks Adam. 6.30, here's the news and sport with Catherine. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines, the Taxpayers' Alliance is criticising the Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner for his decision to hire a driver at the cost of £20,000 a year. Stuart Hazel is due for sentencing later after pleading guilty to the murder of his partner's granddaughter, 12-year-old Tia Sharp. And a new system for integrating health and social care is being introduced in England to try to ensure that more patients receive the care they need. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Exactly a year to the day since they won their first league title in 44 years, Manchester City have sacked manager Roberto Mancini. In a statement, the club say despite everyone's best efforts, the club's failed to achieve any of its stated targets this year, with the exception of qualifying for next season's Champions League. Former City defender Danny Mills says Mancini will be fondly remembered by the club's fans. He will go down in folklore in the blue half of Manchester as the man that obviously won the first trophy for 35 years and won the Premier League, and, and rightly so. You know, he's done exceptionally well. But, you know, what were the targets this year? To win the Premier League, to win the FA Cup, and probably to get to at least the quarter-final stage of the Champions League. He hasn't made any of those four. And therefore, one out of five, I think the owners have said, well, it's not going in the right direction. Watford are set to play Crystal Palace in the Championship playoff final in two weeks in Wembley. Two goals from Wilfred Zaha ensured a 2-0 aggregate victory over Palace's arch-rivals in Brighton last night, giving manager Ian Holloway his third playoff final in four years. Wickham Wanderers has settled its outstanding tax bill with Her Majesty's Red- Revenue and Customs. The clubs were represented in the High Court yesterday where the winding-up petition they faced was dismissed. Wickham's joint chairman Don Woodward called the High Court hearing a formality. Luton Town have signed goalkeeper Elliot Justin for from East Thorock. The 22-year-old has signed a two-year contract. Meanwhile, the Hatters have again been made favourites to win the conference next season. Finally, after seven test half-centuries in the last 12 months, wicketkeeper Matt Pryor has been voted England's Cricketer of the Year. England bowler Catherine Brunt won the women's title for the third time. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, lots of phone calls already. Should Polish be taught on the national curriculum? Well, the manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, which is based in Bedford, certainly thinks so. Well, you can see her point, can't you? It makes perfect sense. I interact interact with Poles pretty much on a daily basis. The, the shops I go into when I've had building work done makes more sense than learning French. The only reason french is taught in schools is because france is the nearest country that has a foreign language and it was cheap for kids in the 60s and 70s to go on exchanges that's the only reason french is taught so why why don't we teach polish you know it makes sense don't you we'll be speaking to justin Daly and finding out what you think of the idea you can give me a call as well 08459 455 555 and the conservatives are publishing a draft bill paving the way for a referendum in when is it Four years' time. I'll be 44 when we have this referendum. Yeah, imagine that. You'll be virtually 30, Ollie. On whether Britain leaves or stays in the European Union. David Cameron has already promised a public vote, but not until after the next election. So, what's new? We'll try to get to the bottom of it for you. 08459 455 555. You don't hear this song very often, do you? Bit of Manfred Mann. Thank you very much. My name is Jack and I live in the back of the Greta Garbo home With friends I will remember wherever I may roam And my name's Jack and I live in the back of the Greta Garbo home For wayward boys and girls his head cause he thinks he's heard the bomb and here comes superman who really puts it on it's lots of fun and i love to run up and down the stairs 
Manfred Man, I might treat myself to a little best of at some point this week. Could be good. Now, you or your kids, you probably learn French at school, a bit of German, maybe Spanish. Well, what do you think about the idea of uh, Polish being on the curriculum? Just think about it for a second. Makes sense, doesn't it? Lots of Poles over here. Be great for interaction. Be great when you get building work done. Well, the manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, is calling for that to happen. She believes it would help children, both British and Polish, to integrate better and accept differences. Mags Brady also says many Polish children lose the ability to read and write, and it's difficult for them to become properly bilingual. Well, back in January, we told you that Polish had become the most commonly spoken non-native language in England. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has uh, been looking into this. Justin, you've been getting reaction. What are people saying? Cześćka, cześćka, which means hello, by the way, in oh, Polish. Th- good, yes. thank you. <laughs> you might remember about three months ago, um, a Polish lady said to me, it normally takes four years to learn Polish, but with you, I can teach you in three months. It got a bit hot, that conversation. It did get hot. I'm trying mm. to, I, I think I may have got rid of the uh, the clip of that. Hang on, this could be it. Over there, that's Justin. No, that's not. That's, <laughs> that's some children saying you're 51 <laughs> years old. No, I don't have Very it. different. I've got it somewhere, but uh, I mean, you clearly think, Ian, that Polish should be taught in schools. Oh, it's a great uh, idea. And do people agree? I've been asking people in Bedfordshire, and this is what they had to say. I don't believe so, because there's not a lot of people that go on holiday to Poland, but people do go to Spain and France on holiday. I don't know anyone that's gone to Poland on holiday. Unless they're from there. I mean, in saying that, though, a lot of Polish people now coming to the UK, would it not help us if we could speak their language? If they want to come to the UK to work and live, then they should speak English. If I moved over there, I'd learn Polish. Like, I lived in Germany for three years. I learnt German before I went. It's not necessarily that I'd have a problem that they speak, that they teach Polish. What would be the most valuable language to teach our young kids? What would they use more? 
If Polish is the answer to that one, then I guess yes. If it is, if Polish is the second most spoken language in this country, would it not help children growing up, if there's going to be more, more Poles coming here, that they can speak the language as well? Yes, but alternatively, if those children speak English, they don't need to speak Polish. Well, those are uh, predominantly British voices mm. we heard there, Justin. Uh, have you been speaking to any Polish people? I have indeed. Um, over half a million Poles live in the UK, so it took me all of about two minutes to find a couple yesterday. I put the same question to them and this is how they responded it can help i think it can help because so many of our people so many of our citizens who are here in england they have a lot of the different knowledge and i think it will be nice if the you know british school will offer something like that it's a lot a lot of polish people over here i hope that the british citizen they like us or some of us maybe so i think if they want why not it will be great from our side now, personally, you can speak very good English, but you don't think it's right for anybody coming from Poland to the UK who can't speak English. Tell us more about your views on that. If Polish people are coming to England, I think they should know and they should learn before English a little bit. I used to do I am in England since July and I used to learn English in my own country. So I know I had some basic knowledge. And here I just processed that and I had just had experience to move or to improve a little bit of English. So do you think there's no excuse whatsoever? If there are Polish people coming to the UK and they can't speak the language, they shouldn't be here? I think it is. Sometimes it is like that. Because if, if we come into England with some expectation that we have better life, mm. why we can help our, I don't know, our luck or something like that? We can just move a little bit, just to learn a little bit, even the basic knowledge, just to have normal, quick conversation here and just improve a little bit and learn. No, definitely not. So you think it's more beneficial for school children to be learning languages such as French, such as German, over Polish? That, that are used in other countries as well, because Polish can be spoken only in Poland, right? Mm. Other languages like Spanish or French can be spoken worldwide. And how long do you think it would take somebody to learn your language? Because I've been told that, that it is quite a difficult language to learn. On average, how long do you think it would take a child to learn Polish? I guess five years. It's Five years? Very difficult, yeah. Grammatics is very difficult. And, and there, I think, is the problem, Justin. There are some languages that, that are quite easy to follow. Japanese uh, is surprisingly easy to... Really? To, yeah, it follows very, very strict rules. Very strict rules. Wow. Once you know the rules, it's easy. Okay. But the, some of these, the Polish and the Greeks and stuff... They're hard languages. But it's whether people can be bothered. You know, when I go back to my school days, I hold my hands up on this one. Uh, when it came to German, I got a U in my <laughs> exam for ungraded. I was dreadful. Mm. I know Gudentag, and that's about it. Because as a school kid, I simply wasn't interested in learning that language. I can't imagine school kids would be particularly bothered about learning Polish. But, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I didn't do particularly well in, in, in languages, and I did uh, pretty poorly. Justin, listen, thank you very much. We'll speak later on. 08459... Four double five, five double five. A bit of effort, a bit of work. That's all we need, isn't it? And we can learn Polish. By the way, I love this record. Six foot six, he stood on the ground. He weighed two hundred and thirty-five pounds. But I saw that giant of a man brought down to his knees by love. He was the kind of a man that would gamble on luck. Look you in the eye and never back up But I saw him crying like a little whipped pup Because of love You can't see it with your eyes Hold it in your hand But like the wind that covers our land Strong enough to rule the heart of any man This thing called love It can lift you up 
never let you down. Take your world and turn it all around. Ever since time, nothing's ever been found that's stronger than love. They struggle in doubt They trouble their minds day in and day out Too busy with living to worry about A little word like love But when I see a mother's tenderness As she holds her young close to her breast Then I thank God that the world's been blessed With a thing called love You can't see it with your eyes Hold it in your hand But like the wind that covers our land Strong enough to rule the heart of any man This thing called love It can lift you up, never let you down Take your world and turn it all around Ever since time nothing's ever been found That's stronger than love Ever since time nothing's ever been found That's stronger than love Barnsley. Well, it would appear that uh, not many of you agree we should be learning Polish. Uh, v in Bedford is texting. Why should our kids learn Polish? Shouldn't they learn English? After all, if they came here, after all, they came here. If I went to Poland to live, I'd learn Polish. Well, V, would you? It's good of you to say you would, but there are so many Brits living abroad. They don't learn the language. They live in well, they live in British ghettos. You go to Spain. By ghetto, I don't necessarily mean, you know, something that's like... I mean, they, they segregate themselves. You go to Spain, it's British communities. You walk along the, 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 the high streets and the beaches. English breakfasts, Murphy's Pub, uh, Sky Sports, uh, Big Brother shown here. The English don't make an effort when they go abroad. I think it's amazing that so many foreign nationals come to this country and do make an effort to learn English. The majority of them do. We don't bother. 08459 555 Here's the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. At the moment, the M25 clockwise exit slip to the northbound M1 is still closed. Overturned lorry being recovered there. They're mopping up the spill of diesel and they're going to have to transfer the load from that lorry to another one. So you can't join the northbound M1 from the clockwise M25. Instead, you have to go on to junction 21A, head south on the A405 and join the M1 at Junction 6. Disruption for Chilton this morning on the rails from Marlborough through to Birmingham and Aylesbury Vale Parkway. They're doing safety checks and thankfully it looks like they've got them finished. All lines to and from Marlborough are now back open but delays and cancellations can be expected through until about 7.30. It's also good news for Greater Anglia. Delays of up to 15 minutes still from Liverpool Street to Chesant and Hartford East but they've sorted the overhead line problems between Southbury and Chesant and that means all the lines are open and they think they'll have the delays sorted by about 7. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Adam. Right, 6.47 or thereabouts. It's Tuesday, the 14th of May. 
Wow, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner's decision to hire a driver at a cost of £20,000 a year has been slammed by the Taxpayers' Alliance. We'll be talking about that later on in the show. The Conservatives are to publish legislation committing Parliament to hold a referendum on Britain's membership of the European Union by 2017. In sport, Watford will play Crystal Palace in the Championship playoff final in two weeks at Wembley. And coming up, the Conservatives are publishing a draft bill, paving the way for a referendum in four years' time on whether Britain leaves or stays in the European Union. David Cameron has already promised a public vote after the next election, so what's new? We'll we'll try and get to the bottom of this murky pool by 7 o'clock, but at 6.47, let's get the weather. It's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, we're waking up to a bright start, but don't be lulled into a full sense of security. It's not going to last too long. The cloud will increase through the course of today. And with it, some showery rain, some outbreaks of mainly light rain to start with and a strengthening southerly wind. Now, temperatures are really struggling today. We're looking at a maximum of 12 Celsius, 54 degrees in Fahrenheit. It's this evening or towards rush hour and beyond where the rain becomes heavy and widespread, particularly out through places, uh, parts of the Chiltern for example, parts of Buckinghamshire, Hertfordshire, um, we're looking at 20 to 30 millimetres of rain for a time. Now, this is going to cause all sorts of problems out on the roads this evening. The Met Office do have a yellow weather warning in place for this heavy rain. Now, eventually overnight, it will start to move out of the way, but the wind will really start to pick up towards dawn tomorrow morning. Minimum temperature, 5 Celsius, 41 degrees in Fahrenheit. So a breezy and cold and rather damp start to Wednesday morning eventually the rain will move out of the way leaving some isolated showers behind but a brighter picture and then tomorrow afternoon the wind will ease so it's a fairly unsettled next 24 hours i'm afraid fairly miserable as well but tomorrow's temperature slightly warmer and it will just feel slightly better tomorrow as there's a little bit more in the way of sunshine that's your forecast thank you very much kate Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget you can give us a call 08459 455 555. It makes perfect sense. Of course we should learn Polish in schools. Everyone benefits, don't they? Oh, darling. I wanted to be everything to you. You are.
it's a very um, very sexy song. It's very erotic. <clears throat> I'm certainly feeling uh, well fruity. I'm feeling fruity. The Conservatives will today publish a draft bill paving the way for a referendum in four years' time on whether Britain leaves or stays in the European Union. The move comes on the eve of a Commons vote on the issue tomorrow, forced by Tory Eurosceptics. David Cameron has already promised a public vote after the next election. So what's new? Well, I'm joined now by our political correspondent, Paul Rowley. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Ian. Why is the Prime Minister doing this, and what difference will it make from what he said already? He's hoping it will reassure his MPs that he means business. Even though he's already pledged to hold a referendum in 2017, many of his Eurosceptics feel it won't happen, having been promised them before by all the parties, and they've never taken place, apart from the original one called by Harold Wilson in 1975, when the public voted to stay in what used to be called the common market. So what the Prime Minister is now offering is a, an entrenched promise, as it were. Difficulty is he, and he can't guarantee it will become law in this Parliament because it leads a coalition government and the Liberal Democrats are against the idea. So under the rather arcane, arcane parliamentary system, what he's doing is putting forward a draft bill, which will then be taken up by a backbench MP, presumably a Conservative MP, who will introduce what's called private members legislation, if you're still with me. Just, and, yes. And that will be laid before this Parliament in the hope of getting it enshrined in law in the next part. I love the fact that a, a promise from the Prime Minister isn't good enough. It has to go a little bit further than that. There, there was a planned rebellion, wasn't there? Does that mean that that's now off? Uh, not necessarily. That might change in the course of today, because this was only announced late last night, but I'd imagine David Cameron is hoping that his MPs may take him at his word and withdraw this amendment, which is due to be debated in the Commons tomorrow, regretting the fact there was no legislation on this in last week's Queen's speech. Problem is, Ian, even though the Prime Minister is making this promise, there's no absolute guarantee that this referendum will, will take place because if he doesn't win the next election outright for the Conservatives, crudely, he is stuffed. <laughs> if Ed Miliband becomes Prime Minister, he's making clear at this stage at least he won't agree to it. The Liberal Democrats don't want one either. So I think David Cameron may find himself a bit like uh, Roberto Mancini this morning out on his, um, on his ear, shall we say. Well, what are the other parties making of this? You, you said that the, the, the Labour and uh, the Lib Dems don't want a referendum. Yeah, they're all scathing about it because Labour is saying David Cameron is panicking, he's become a prisoner of his Eurosceptics, he's lost control of his party. The Liberal Democrats are saying it's a diversion, it's destabilising, it's chaotic, and probably more importantly, it's totally confusing to the voters. Even I, I'm supposed to understand these things, I'm finding it confusing by now. Nigel Farage, the leader of the UK Independence Party, is saying it's an act of sheer desperation. That's what he's saying publicly, privately. He's laughing all the way to the bar because he's absolutely delighted that his party is now effectively setting the agenda on this after their success in the recent county council elections. Looking at one opinion poll this morning, they seem to have doubled their, their, sh their, their share of the vote. Although I suppose the Conservatives can at least say uh, they are differentiating themselves from everybody else on this. UKIP want to withdraw from Europe. The Conservatives would argue if you vote Tory at the next election, they're the only party committed to a referendum and that must put a, a problem, uh, concern on Labour. Ed Miliband's view is, look, the Tories are obsessing with Europe yet again 
again. His priority is jobs and the economy, but he risks being portrayed as being out of touch and afraid of giving the public what they want. Although, if you look at the opinion polls, Ian, they suggest that only one in ten voters think Europe is top of the tree. Mid-Beds MP Nadine Doris has been speaking about this, hasn't she? What, what's she been saying? Well, it's extraordinary, really, because Nadine Doris was, uh, you know, out on her own as an independent, cut off uh, by the Conservatives after appearing on uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So oh, she, was she on that? I didn't know. She, she should have made more, more fuss of being yeah, on Yeah, you yes. would have thought so. Yes. I mean, you might have missed it uh, if you don't watch whatever channel it was on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the extraordinary thing about it, she comes back into the party and the first thing she announces is she's going to rebel tomorrow. Uh, but, I mean, her view is it shows... and uh, she's, she's delighted in a way that the Prime Minister is listening to his backbenchers. Uh, but she, again, she couldn't tell us last night to, because it was so early on when this was announced whether or not there will be that vote tomorrow. But it's interesting because her view, and she's got rather controversial views on this, she effectively wants a joint ticket where Conservative MPs like herself would get the endorsement of the UK Independence Party if they're pledged to a referendum. She is of the view if there were a vote uh, today, she would vote to come out of the European Union. That's a view that's now shared uh, not just by people like herself, but also by some members of the Cabinet. So, if nothing else, she's talking about it, and a lot of Conservatives are talking about it. The big question, are the voters talking about it? Paul Riley, thank you very much indeed. Well, it is a good question. Are you bothered by Europe? I don't care about the ins and the outs of it, literally the ins and outs of it. Are you bothered by it? Do you think it's such a big deal? It's, it's all we're hearing at the moment. Paul there is suggesting that maybe one in ten voters are, are, are that concerned about it. Simple question. Are you bothered about the whole European debate? 08459 455555. Does it really mean as much to you as the Conservatives and some of the newspapers are implying it does. 08459 455 555. We should all just learn Polish. That's, that's, that seems to be the obvious thing to me. Here's the travel in English. For beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. M25 clockwise exit slip to the northbound M1 still closed because of an overturned lorry. They're recovering that now. So any traffic on the clockwise M25 needing the M1 northbound, you have to go onto junction 21A, south down the A405 then join the M1 at Junction 6. Clockwise there's also been an accident between the M40 and Maple Cross, Junction 16 and 17. It's now on the hard shoulder they got that out of the way quite quickly anti-clockwise slowing in the usual spots from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Maple Cross to the M40. In Dunstable we've got a bit of traffic on the A5 as you go between Church Street and Lynch Hill. On the trains Chilton still disrupted between Marlborough and Birmingham and Aylesbury Vale Parkway because of the safety checks they were doing earlier. Tickets will, for the time being, still be accepted on First Great Western and the Tube. All lines to and from Marlborough are back open, but delays and cancellations are to be expected for another half an hour or so. For Greater Anglia, they've sorted their overhead line problems. That means delays of up to 15 minutes, residual delays, while they shake the things out of the system there and everything gets back to normal. Between Liverpool Street and Chesant and Hartford East. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Well, there are calls that uh, all of our children should learn Polish. It should be on the curriculum. Makes perfect sense to me. What do you think? We'll talk about that and more after the news with Catherine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock.
o'clock, the headlines box police commissioner criticised calls for Polish lessons in schools and Watford to play Palace at Wembley. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner is facing tough criticism this morning for his decision to hire a driver at the cost of £20,000 a year. This is the second time Anthony Stansfeld's use of public money has been questioned. Previously, he set up a satellite office close to home which allowed him to claim travel expenses. Robert Oxley from the Taxpayers Alliance says the purse strings should be tighter. This is paid for by taxpayers. And the problem is, is that you know, we have seen this from a couple of the, the newly elected pl- police and crime commissioners, is that you know they have been pretty loose with taxpayers' purse strings. And you know, it does worry me that at a time when ordinary families, they're being asked to tighten their own belts, but you know, the police and crime commissioners seem to think that they can go on a bit of a spending spree with other people's money. An attempt by David Cameron to quell unrest among some Conservatives about Britain's relationship with the European Union seems so far to have failed to win over Eurosceptics. The parties to publish draft legislation today guaranteeing an in-out referendum on the EU before the end of 2017. Here's our political correspondent, Robin Brandt. David Cameron had pledged earlier in the year that he'd hold a referendum by 2017. Now, the leader who once told his party to stop obsessing about Europe has gone a step further. He wants to pass a law to hold himself to that promise. The move is designed to placate Conservatives on his own side who are planning to express their displeasure at him by voting against part of their own government's Queen's speech. It's also intended, though, to force the Liberal Democrats and, more importantly, Labour to come out and declare where they stand on a vote. As for those on his own side, it doesn't appear to have worked. The Tory MP John Barron, who had led the calls for more than just a prime ministerial pledge, said it was not good enough. This proposal may have little chance of becoming law, but there is a longer-term aim for the Prime Minister. He could force Ed Miliband to take a long, hard look at his policy on a referendum. Labour is currently against a pledge to back one now. But the prospect of being the party which comes out against the first national vote in almost 40 years is something that some in the opposition believe would be deeply unpopular. It's emerged that outside of London, Milton Keynes has the country's highest number of families living in B&B accommodation for longer than the legal limit of six weeks. Milton Keynes Council spent £370,000 housing people at the Ash Rose Hotel in Bedford last year. Members of Bedford's Polish community are calling for their language to be taught more widely in schools. According to the Polish-British Integration Centre, private classes are not enough and many Polish children are forgetting their roots. Finally, congratulations are in order this morning for our colleague Jonathan Vernon-Smith and his team after they scooped silver at the Sony Radio Academy Awards last night. The JVS show was a winner in the Best Speech Programme category, with judges describing the host as an excellent interviewer and communicator, always asking the right questions. Well, there'll be no talking to him when he gets in this morning. Sports Watford play Crystal Palace at the Championship playoff final in two weeks at Wembley. It comes after Palace beat arch-rivals Brighton last night at the Amex Stadium, courtesy of two goals from Wilfred Zaha. Finally, the weather, sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 12 degrees Celsius. That's 54 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Red. I'm just fiddling with the microphone, that's why there was a little bit of silence. Don't worry about that. Leave the technicals to me, we'll we'll get there eventually. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including 
Do you live in Buckinghamshire? Well, we look into why your police and crime commissioner is being criticised for hiring a chauffeur. The Labour PCC candidate for Thames Valley will be joining me in the studio to give his view. We'll also be finding out why Milton Keynes has the highest number of families with children outside London living in B&B accommodation for longer than they should. And should your children be taught Polish at school? Well, the manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, thinks so. She'll be joining me to explain why she thinks it could benefit both British and Polish kids. Seems like an obvious idea to me. We interact with Polish people every single day. Wouldn't it be easier if we could communicate with them in their own language? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Police and Crime Commissioner for the Thames Valley, which covers Buckinghamshire, has been criticised for hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. Previously, Anthony Stansfeld used a small police office near to where he lives as a base from which to claim travel expenses to the head office near Oxford, as expenses can't be claimed from home. He denies using a sham office to fiddle his expenses. Well, Robert Oxley from the Taxpayers' Alliance explained earlier how it might have increased his expenses claim. Robert, can you explain in simple terms exactly what Mr Stansfield did? Well, what Mr Stansfield did is he has to commute from his home to his main office, which is about a 45-minute commute. It's about 37 miles. And what happened is suddenly he set up a small office in one room in his local police station. And every morning he would go there, check in. And then because he checked in, it meant that he could now claim his journey on expenses, something that he'd not been able to do. And obviously, you know, that might be within the rules. But to anyone looking at it, that looks like a cynical attempt to maximise the amount of expenses, the the amount of taxpayers' money that you could claim. And he kept this arrangement for two months. And it ended up costing taxpayers an absolute fortune. How much did it cost for those two months? Do we know? They're saying it went up 6,000% or nearly nearly £450 just for each mile. He received... When £7 one, one month and then £450 a month later. Well, Tim Starkey was the Labour Police and Crime Commissioner candidate in the Thames Valley and stood against Anthony Stansfeld. Tim, what do you think about what's happened? I think it's a disgrace. Uh, clearly, this second office is a sham office aimed simply at milking the taxpayer, as has been said, claiming the expenses. Uh, he's meeting with the Police and Crime Panel on Friday, which is the committee which is there to hold him to account. I think he should either justify what he's done or pay the money back. The office, the office only ran for two months. Uh, have I got this right? It was four miles away from his home. That's right. And because yeah. it wasn't in his home, that allowed him to claim the expenses then to travel on to his That's precisely office. right. And his travel expenses, if you look before that in January, were £7.20. Mm. And then it leapt up to £600. And so basically he was asking the taxpayer to fund his commute. Now, that stopped after two months. Yep. And now we have the situation uh, where he's spending £20,000 a year on a chauffeur. Yes. What do you think of that? Well, again, I mean, this is something I said I would not do when I was running for election. In fairness to him, he said he, he would. Uh, I don't think it's justified. Mostly, again, it seems to be about the taxpayer providing him with a way to go. Well, I, I'm sure a lot of us doing important, responsible jobs would like to have somebody paid for by the taxpayer to get us to work. And to put it in context, uh, the government wants to reduce the starting salary for police constables to 19,000. So effectively, more than for a PC. Mm. 
he, this was one of his, his points, though, wasn't it? When he, before he got elected, he always said he was going to have a chauffeur. Yeah. So sh- should we be disappointed with him, the fact that he's followed well, that through? No, well, I'm not surprised, but I still think it's wrong. And, and in fact, uh, there may be more justification if he was getting out and meeting the public across the Thames Valley. But the fact that before he went for these different schemes, his travel expenses were only £7.20, says it all. He's not getting out meeting the public. Most of this expense is simply on driving him to work. Mm. It, well, is he not meeting the public? Because Thames Valley is a huge area. Mm. It, it covers a broad, a broad uh, number of places. So... There is some benefit to the taxpayer, isn't there, for, for him to have this chauffeur? There are arguments for it, but I think it would send out completely the wrong signal at this time. And to put it in context, I believe only five members of the Cabinet have dedicated drivers. Um, at a time when we are seeing 20% cuts to police funding, it sends out completely the wrong message if somebody at the top of the organisation uh, is making that type of decision. What should he be doing then? Getting the bus? Going on his bike? No, he should be paying for himself. Uh, he should be driving himself to Kidlington, to the, the Thames Valley Police headquarters, as pretty much you know all of us have to do to get ourselves to work. There may be situations uh, where it would be necessary uh, in order for him to to use a car from the fleet rather than having a dedicated driver but i think those would be few and far between um the reality is that he, he would be able to drive himself around if they are journeys other than to his place of work he can claim expenses for that 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 that's legitimate um but essentially for commuting that's something he should sort out for himself what's his argument for the chauffeur when he before he got elected and he said oh i'm, I'm going to have a chauffeur what was his argument for it how did he justify it he said it would increase his productivity i mean frankly he should be here having this conversation with you i mean this is this goes back to my point about engagement i don't know if you've invited him to come and we've, explain we've asked him to come on he said come on he declined we've got a statement that we'll read a little bit sure, later. Sure, I mean, it's yes. not really for me to make the arguments for him. No. I mean, this goes back to my point about engagement. I mean, we should be, I should be debating this with him on air. I mean, one of the arguments could be that he's in the back of the car, he can, he can be doing work then. He could be more productive mm. as a result of being driven around. Well, sure, there are a great many people who, who can make that argument, of course, uh, doing important, responsible jobs in the public sector, but most of them don't have a dedicated chauffeur, including many members of the Cabinet. Mm. Going back to this office that was used for two months and then uh, it was stopped. £450 a month he was claiming in expenses for those two months, I think, something like that. Is he going to pay that money back? Well, what I would hope is the police and crime panel, made up of councillors from across the area, um, they're there to hold him to account. They're meeting with him on Friday. I think he should either come up with a good justification or they should ask that he pays the money back. And sorry, just if I can go back to your, your, your question about how he justifies it. What he said yesterday, he said, I'm extremely good value. If I could hire myself out, I would charge a lot more. So that seems to be the sort of L'Oreal defence, because I'm worth it. Well, that's an interesting, uh, an interesting way of looking at things. Uh, the, the office, I mean, there are two things here. There are the, the yeah. chauffeur situation and the office. The office wasn't supposed to have cost that much to, to have done up. It was just a spare no. room, and they, I guess they put maybe a computer and a pot plant in there. So <laughs> there wouldn't have been that much money spent that no. way. Is there a problem with someone like him claiming expenses to travel to work? Because people do claim expenses, don't they, in, mm. in other walks of life and other businesses? Yes. Yeah. 
Of course. Well, I mean, normally the situation is that you, you do claim expenses when you travel away from your main place of work. Uh, and I've got no problem with that. And of course, he should be able to claim expenses, because as you rightly say, Thames Valley is a, is a big area. And I would like to see him out and about more across the whole area, meeting people and claiming expenses for that. My problem is with people claiming expenses, basically, to go to work, to their main place of work. And it seems that that's what this office was all about, mm. uh, because it was right next to his home. It, I don't know why he couldn't simply work from home on days he wasn't going into uh, uh, into Thames Valley uh, Police Headquarters, as a lot of people do. Tim, is this not just sour grapes on your part? <laughs> is, is it? Because you, you didn't get the job. He did. Yeah. Um, he was obviously proved to be more popular for whatever reason. Are you, are you not just jealous that you haven't got a £20,000 a year chauffeur? Well, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of us would love to have a £20,000 a year chauffeur. Who wouldn't? But uh, I made it very clear in the run-up to the election that I would not do that. This came up as an issue. I said categorically I thought it was wrong. Um, and so I, I would not be doing that. I would not be getting a chauffeur. I would not be setting up a second office near my home. Tim Tikenis? And Folly Galai, I still Folly. I've kind of saw you. See, we, he's out Greek. He's, it, Greek. We got Greeks in the family. We had a little Greek chat before, and you're, you're, you you persevered with the Greek language. That's, that's, I, gave I did. Up. That's the first time I've spoken Greek on air. So if I was a bad Folly, maybe if you. I don't know if there's a big Greek community in Bucks. Maybe if you'd have spoken Greek, you might have got. Maybe that. Yeah, oh, should have done that. Should have done Tim, that. Tim, lovely to see you. Thank you very much for coming in. Cheers. That's uh, Tim Starkey, the uh, was the Labour Police and Crime Commissioner candidate in Thames Valley. Well, what do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. If you want to give us a call across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee bbc three counties radio i'm surprised at how this is why we're talking about one of the reasons we're talking about languages it's being suggested by a group that um, we should be learning polish our kids your children should be learning polish in their schools languages are hard i did learn greek for a while my wife is half greek i learned it for a while i got okay and then I was trying to speak to Tim and Greg. I can't remember any of it. I can, all, I, all I can say is, um, well, all I can say is um, Sagapo, which means I love you. <laughs> I can't really say that to a, to a guy who ran for PCC, can you? It's not really appropriate. But maybe this is why we should be teaching your children Polish in schools. Because there are Polish kids over here. There are Polish people over here. They'd be able to practice it. They'd be able to use it. It would aid integration for the Polish into the community. And, and it would... It would stop the, your kids, your British kids, being afraid of them, wouldn't it? It makes perfect sense to me to teach this in our schools. 08459 455 555. Is there anybody who can put up a strong enough argument for your children not to learn Polish? And I don't, I don't buy the argument, oh, well, listen, when I, if I were to move to a foreign country, I'd learn their language. I don't think you would. Most Brits abroad don't... Brits abroad are horrible, aren't they? You go to the Greek islands or you go to Spain and it's all people speaking English very loudly to the funny foreign woman in the shop. And there are Brit Murphy's pubs and get your English fry up and, oh, come and watch Big Brother live in this pub. Oh, awful. 08459 455 555. It makes perfect sense. Your children should learn Polish in schools. 7.15, travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And it's still the M25 causing problems this morning. Clockwise, the exit slipped to the northbound M1 remains closed. There's an overturned lorry there which is being recovered. And the lorry's load of frozen goods has to be transferred so that the lorry can be fully recovered. It looks like that might be happening now. 
As it stands, diversion, you have to continue on the M25 round to Junction 21A, head south on the A405 and then join the M1 at Junction 6. Further round clockwise, we've now got a lane closed on the entry slip road at Junction 21A. So people joining the M25 there are going to have a bit of a slow-moving traffic because of an accident with a car and a lorry involved. So that's as you're coming from St Albans onto the M25 clockwise. Anti-clockwise is getting slow. Usual spots from the M1 to the A41 at Kings Langley. Maple Cross to the M40. A5 in Dunstable seems to be slowing down between Church Street and Lynch Hill. And good news for the trains because Chilton are pretty much back to normal service now in and out of Marylebone after they completed their safety checks. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, 7.16, it's Tuesday the 14th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Taxpayers' Alliance is accusing the Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner of going on a spending spree with public money by hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. The Conservatives will publish draft legislation today guaranteeing an in-out referendum on the EU before the end of 2017. In sport, Watford will face Crystal Palace in the Championship playoff final after the London side 2-0 semi-final second leg victory at Brighton last night. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 12 degrees. Coming up before 7.30, we'll be finding out why outside of London, Milton Keynes has the highest number of families with children living in B&B accommodation. BBC Three Counties Radio. Weeknights from seven. Mark Forrest. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Let's talk to Lynn. What's your story? Is there life after the armed forces? They've got fantastic skill set. City Street is great. Fruit, veg, fruit. You're telling me the best thing about your local market. It's inexpensive, but quality products that's grown locally. How has adoption affected your family? He always says to me, she is my birth mother, but you're my mum. Mark Forrest. Weeknights from seven on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sue has uh, emailed in and uh, about learning Polish in the schools. Ian, with regard to Polish in the curriculum, no, 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 no. She's put those in capitals. That means she's shouting. Anyone living here should speak the language. There are also some 50-plus languages spoken in, spoken in many city schools, including that of Luton. Asian languages, which are more widely spoken, should be put on the curriculum before Polish. Well, uh, so just to interrupt that email, Polish is the um, most spoken language in Britain after English. She continues, English is the world's business language. Well, I would suggest that's changing to Chinese. French is the diplomat's language. Uh, sorry? Is it? I suppose it is in certain respects. And German, the second business language. Spanish is more important too, as the Americas speak it, and it's needed in American business more often than not. Well, Spanish, I don't think, is particularly spoken in American business. It tends to be, uh, and this is a generalisation, the kind of the poorer uh, people who speak Spanish in America. Um, 08459 455 555. Sue is against learning um, Polish, but maybe you're for it. A couple of Facebook comments. Chris, there's no reason why we shouldn't. It's always a good thing to learn a new language. Matthew, no way. We should stay with the English curriculum. Well, it would be part of the English curriculum. It's hard enough for school children to cope with lessons as it is already. Why make it more complicated? Well, Matthew, why teach them more things? Why teach children more things? 
Mark, of course it should be taught. It's fast turning into the first language in Luton. And Gary says on facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR, if we're going to teach you a language, why not do a useful one and learn Japanese? As it's been suggested, it is the language of business. Now, Japanese is a fun language. I, I learned Japanese. Konnichiwa. Konobaswa Tokyo Nikimakimaska. That's all I can remember. Oh, Korewa Dare no Kasa Deska. Korewa Dare no Kasa Deska. Whose umbrella is this? You see? Those are the phrases that we need, we need to be learning. Japanese is a great language to learn. Now, in the second of our reports on homelessness, we look at Milton Keynes. The new city has the highest number of families with children outside London living in B&B accommodation for longer than the legal limit of six weeks. Milton Keynes Council spent almost £370,000 housing people at the Ash Rose Hotel in Bedford last year. One of those who was housed there is Elas Ali, who's been living in a bedroom with his wife and two children for two months. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, went to meet him. That's what they put us in. I mean, it's not really nice, but, I mean, I, well, we've got no choice, really, do we? No. How did, well, can you describe, how did you become homeless? Uh, because we used to stay with our brother. He needed his house. He gave us enough, uh, enough time um, notice. And we went, I went to the council, and that's how I ended, ended up here. When you went to the council, did you expect to end up in a hotel in Bedford? No. No, I thought uh, maybe somewhere in Middle Gains. But obviously it was a surprise. And then uh, before that day, they, uh, they did uh, warn us it could be in Bedford or Northampton. But I did ask, um, it would be better if it was in Philippines for me, because obviously my daughter goes to a uh, playgroup in Bletchley, and also I have work in Bletchley. So, so you work in Bletchley, your daughter goes to school in Bletchley, yeah. and they've put you up in a hotel in Bedford? Yeah, that's right. So did they explain why they put you up in either either here or they suggested Northampton? Why not Milton Keynes? Because there's nothing available in Milton Keynes for them. This was the uh, place available at the time, so we had to take it. Mm. And how do you feel about living here for the next few months? Uh, well, it's hard. It's very, very hard. But we've got no choice, though, have I? It's either here or nowhere. Um, basically, it's very cramped, as you say. Fridge yeah. in the corner, TV, chest of drawers, bunk bed, bed. and a double bed. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. And you have communal washing facilities and kitchen area. Yeah. Yeah, and sharing bathroom and sharing kitchen is not easy. Plus uh, the kitchen uh, kitchen uh, stays locked after half nine at night, so if you need anything for the baby, that's it, you're done. <laughs> and so what's the latest from the council? What have they, they said to you? What's the latest situation about moving to Milton Keynes? The latest is um, I had a chat with them because our Ramadan is coming soon which is going to be in July. So I need uh, somewhere to eat, because uh, at night time we eat. During the daytime we can't eat anything. So um, they're going to see if they could provide us with anything. If not, they're going to have a word with the downstairs people to see if they could open the kitchen for us. So, yeah. And if they can't open the kitchen for you... Then they'll have to sort something out because we can't go hungry without eating anything, can we? <laughs> Plus we can't go out to eat because we've got two little children. Would you rather be in a situation like this but in Milton Keynes? Would that be better? I'd prefer, yeah. At least it'll be uh, 
easier for us to communicate from for school and my work and a bit uh, much less hassle to be honest so as it stands you don't know how long you're going to be here or when no. you'll be able to be living in Milton Keynes no that's it <laughs> Well, in the last 24 hours, we've heard that Mr Ali and his family have been offered a house. Listening to that is Labour parliamentary spokesperson for Milton Keynes, Andrew Pakes. Morning, Andrew. It's Good not, morning, it, It's not right, is it, these families having to stay in unsuitable accommodation for longer than six weeks. And on top of that, it's outside Milton Keynes. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? I hear uh, time and again stories of very similar to the case study you've just had for your listeners there, of families really struggling to make ends meet. Now, we like to think of Milton Keynes as a big, bold, brassy, successful city, and it is for many people, but we know that with the tax credit changes, with the economy still struggling to get on, many families are finding it really difficult. And I think it comes down to, uh, for me, really a lack of affordable housing is the key issue. Uh, you know, it's, it's disgraceful that, you know, for a big borough like ours in Milton Keynes, we're having to send people to Luton or to Bedford or other areas uh, just to try and, uh, you know, house them. Whilst well, Andrew, we sort out is, a- if there is a, a, a lack of affordable housing, what's, what's the problem? What's the solution then? Uh, well, I think we need to get back to uh, ensuring that when we're building lots of houses, like we are in Milton Keynes, so there is a good mix uh, across the uh, across the board, not just private rented sector and houses to buy, uh, but ensure that housing associations uh, have enough stock, and to ensure we get back to building, you know, good quality, decent social housing as well. How many you social know, houses will be built in the next twelve months? Uh, very few. Milton Keynes is going to build uh. a few bungalows, a very few bungalow, council bungalows, uh, which have been adapted uh, for people who need to move into those properties. So that uh, isn't the really solution that, then, is it? If, 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 it, if, it, if, you're not, if you're not building the social housing, then, then what do we do? It should be the solution, uh, and that's why my Labour Council colleagues uh, on Milton Keynes Council have been making that argument. I think one of the other issues here, I think, is that we have this real false economy. Uh, we know that Westminster City Council is taking some of their residents and housing them in Milton Keynes. We know that Luton is taking some of its residents and putting them in Milton Keynes, and now Milton Keynes is sending its residents outside the borough. There's a complete lack of coordination, so that even people in desperate situations, like we've heard this morning uh, and elsewhere, uh, who need help are having to be transported everywhere because councils aren't coordinating their response to this situation. How do we get to this point where councils are just shifting people from one place to another? I think in many instances councils are trying to do the best they can. People come to them with, with a real need. My understanding is that in Milton Keynes, once you get in B&B accommodation, it can take you up to eight months to then get in out of a B&B uh, and into something better. But how do, we get, how do we get to this, this position where, where people like that gentleman and his family we just heard from are, are being forced, and luckily he's got a place now, but being forced to live in a B&B for two months outside of his local area? Yep, I think it's about uh, long term we have not built enough houses uh, which are affordable to rent or either people to buy. Uh, I think we've got a real crisis point at the moment for some families whereby people are failing to keep up with their mortgages, people are struggling to pay their rent. We know that private rented sector accommodation is getting higher and higher. Uh, and I think particularly for private rented sector, we need some real controls, uh, not to stop the market working, but to ensure that landlords have to offer a fair rent to people who need it and to ensure things like uh, deposit 
the quality of housing you get. You can't be ripped off by your landlord. Your landlord has to treat you fairly. So we can try and keep people in their homes rather than uh, exporting them out into a B&B. Andrew, people are being, being moved out of their areas. People from London boroughs are being moved to Bletchley. People from Luton are being moved to central beds. It's not the solution, is it? Oh, it's a crazy system. Absolutely crazy. Uh, and what really is heartbreaking is that it's not just me saying it's crazy. It's not just, you know, the policy wants out there. It's when you hear the stories about the families with really young children. Some of them are being moved into B&Bs that don't have laundry, don't have kitchen facilities, have to share bathroom facilities. People have been taken out of their local community. You know, I think we have a real duty to look after, you know, families with children and ensure that those kids get the best start in life so that these patterns of problems don't repeat themselves. Well, thank you very much for coming on. That's uh, uh, Labour parliamentary spokesperson for Milton Keynes, Andrew Pakes, 08459 455 555. I asked you earlier on, are you uh, uh, bothered by Europe? Not whether we should be in or out. Are you bothered by it? Apparently only one in ten people are that bothered, but it seems to be a big news at the moment. Well, some of you, I, I don't think, quite understood the question. Andy is uh, texted in, could we trust the House of Commons if we come out of Europe? Look at the pesticides that are killing the bees. The British government were the only ones saying to keep using it. Thanks to Europe, it's now banned. Dave says, we should get out of the EU now. It's not done the UK any good at all. OK, the, the question was, specifically, are you bothered about the, Europe? Yes or no? Maybe a little reasoning why. Not should we get, a, get out, should we stay in? Are you bothered? Mary and Hemel has understood the question. Thank you, Mary. The issue of the EU is a smokescreen by government to divert our minds from the state of the economy, changes to the NHS, etc. And I think, would I be right in saying those are the only three texts we've had, which would imply that you're not that bothered by Europe, that it's a, it's a nice thing to get us all a little bit excited and an all bit of tub-thumping, but really, we're not actually that bothered. There may have been one or, or two more, more texts about it, but... 08459 455 555 Travel, here's Adam Travel news for beds, cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio I'm going to start with a look at the trains because we've got further problems now for Greater Anglia These are separate to the ones they had earlier this morning Delays of up to 20 minutes between Liverpool Street in Cambridge and Bishop Stortford They had a signalling problem at Hackney Downs Now thankfully they do seem to have sorted it relatively quickly but as yet no estimate for when they'll get things back to normal So delays of up to 20 minutes along that route and it's affecting the Stansted Express as well. On the roads, M25 clockwise, slow moving. The exit slip road to the northbound M1 is still closed because of this spillage of diesel following a lorry that overturned early this morning and they're doing the recovery work now. It's been shut since about 20 past three this morning. They are recovering the load of frozen goods off that lorry, transferring it to another one. Minor restriction on the anti-clockwise entry slip where the two slip roads meet. The diversion for anyone on the M25 clockwise, you have to just continue on to Junction 21A, go down the A405 and then join the M1 northbound at Junction 6. Further round clockwise, we've got a lane closed on the entry slip road at Junction 21A, that's the St Albans Junction, an accident with a car and a lorry involved. We've also got the usual anti-clockwise traffic on the M25. M1 round to Kings Langley and Maple Cross to the M40. And the A1 starting to slow at the Black Cat roundabout, looking quite busy onto the Great Barford Bypass there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much indeed. 7.30, sing hosannas. JVS won a silver Sony award last night to celebrating he's buying everybody at BBC Three Counties breakfast. Thanks, Jervs. Here's the news with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning.
morning at 7.30, the headlines. The Taxpayers' Alliance is accusing the Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner of going on a spending spree with public money by hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. The Conservatives will publish draft legislation today guaranteeing an in-out referendum on the EU before the end of 2017. And it's emerged that outside London, Milton Keynes has the country's highest number of families living in B&B accommodation for longer than the legal limit of six weeks. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Exactly a year to the day since they won their first league title in 44 years, Manchester City have sacked manager Roberto Mancini. In a statement, City says despite everyone's best efforts, the club has failed to achieve any of its stated targets this year, with the exception of qualification for next season's UEFA Champions League. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Wigan must win at Arsenal tonight to maintain any hope of avoiding relegation from the Premier League. Arsenal, meanwhile, can move back to above Tottenham into fourth with a win. Watford will play Crystal Palace in the Championship playoff final at Wembley in a fortnight. Ian Holloway's side beat Brighton 2-0 at the Amex thanks to second-half goals from Wilfred Zaha. They win the tie 2-0 on aggregate. The playoff final will be Holloway's third in the last four years. we got two weeks now to get ready for a wonderful occasion at Wembley and I don't like losing. Losing. had to get used to it with the budget that I had at Blackpool in the Premier League but we got 39 points and then we got to the playoffs last year and we lost to West Ham in the 88th minute so you know I, I got this group now and let's see what we can do and I'm delighted for them because it's a wonderful experience in your life. Wickham Wanderers has settled its outstanding tax bill with Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. The club were represented in the High Court yesterday when the winding up petition that they faced was dismissed. Wickham's joint chairman, Don Woodward, called the High Court hearing a formality. And Luton Town have signed goalkeeper Elliot Justum from East Thorock. The 22-year-old has signed a two-year contract. Meanwhile, the Hatters have again been made favourites to win the conference next season. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. You speak loads of foreign languages, don't you? I speak a couple. So go, go on, give us, give us a, a snatch. Bueno, te puedo hablar en español. Oh. No, that's it, you finished. What, you don't want any French? Uh, no, not today, thank you. Oh. Is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. French. We'll get some French from Catherine later on. In the most pointless language in the world. No one, no one speaks French apart from the French. We don't need it, do we? Well, oh, actually, several African nations as well. Apart from several African nations, the French, and uh, diplomats and ambassadors around the world, no one speaks French. Why do we need that? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call. Should, we're talking about foreign languages because the question is being raised: Should Polish be taught in the national curriculum? The manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, certainly thinks so. She'll be joining me to explain why she thinks it could benefit both British and Polish kids. Now, another schooling subject: How good is your grammar? Do you know your adverbs from your adjectives? Is it necessary to know how to spell necessary? I'm not very good on uh, apostrophes. I'm not. I kind of... bit of potluck every now and then. Well, anyway, it's certainly necessary if you're 11 years old and about to sit the government's new spelling and grammar test. More than half a million children will sit the exam today. Here's the Education Minister, Elizabeth Truss. Children end up leaving school without the ability to write coherently, to understand grammar and to understand language. And we get lots of feedback from employers that people don't know how to punctuate, they don't know how to spell properly, they don't know how to check their own work. And it's really important to inculcate those things at an early age. Oh, inculcate those things. Oh, you can tell she's the educator. That's how she got the job. She used that word in her interview. Well, we can get more on this now with our reporter, James Alexander. Uh, good morning, James. Now, I yeah, remember... Hi, I remember inculcate I'm, is not one of the questions, by the way, okay. in the test today. To okay, define that's good. Inculcate. I remember spelling tests at school. What's this new mm. test about? 
Well, this is a new part of the SATs tests that all children take now in their final year of primary school. It's an hour-long exam testing spelling, punctuation and grammar, or SPAG for short. You heard there the Education Minister. She says in lots of other countries where they have tests like this, like Singapore, uh, she says it's driven up literacy standards. It's all part of a wider government agenda, a kind of back-to-basics approach in schools. Uh, some teachers aren't very happy with this, though, are they? Yeah, some teachers reckon it's all about circling words and ticking boxes and doesn't really help children learn good English and it might even put some children off. Um, among the critics is the children's author, Michael Rosen. He says the new test is a waste of time. Ticking boxes on test sheets, you, you, ch some children will learn how to do it. You know, they'll see an L-Y word, say it's an adverb and tick it. You can teach some children, maybe many children, to do that. This has no impact on their ability to write good standard English. And Michael Rosen says it's more important that you can use an adverb in your writing or your conversation, not whether you can spot one in a test. I like Michael Rosen, but I disagree with him on this. What's, what sort of questions are in this new test then, James? Well, can I put you on the spot, Ian? Put me on the spot. These questions to <coughs> Let's you. have a go. Oh, I know but, you but said you was, apostrophes weren't your strong point, so no. shall, we, shall we skim over the apostrophe questions? Let's avoid those. Um, let's avoid them. Let's identify the noun and the adjective yes. in the following sentence. Okay. I thought the football match was exciting. So, I thought the football match was exciting. So exciting is the adjective. That's correct. Right, and yes, uh, tick. Th thank you very much. And uh, <laughs> now, a verb is a doing word, so a noun is a yes. th is a thing. So football, exactly. Hey, well, yeah, the football match. Football yeah, match, exactly. Football. Well, Gold go. star, there gold go. star. Thank you. Top Easy. of the class. Easy. What about the spelling? Go on, get, I'm good, good at, at spelling. spelling. I'm good at spelling. Go on. Good. Oh, you've set yourself up now. You see, you've raised my expectations. What about accommodation? G give me that word again. Accommodation. 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 A double C O M A D A T O N. Oh, oh that's gone whoa, badly whoa, wrong. Whoa, here two M's. In I many meant two different M's. ways. I'm, I'm, two M's, but then it's an O and not an A. Oh. Oh. I'm, I'm no, you see, you you, you you made the fatal mistake there of saying you were good at spellings. So I went straight to the hardest one, and you've you've let yourself down. But good on the nouns and the <laughs> adjectives. But um, yeah, <laughs> homework required. James Alexander, thank you very much indeed. He, he, he sounds like a teacher, though. You've let yourself down. I could, I could have done it. He pronounced it accommodation. He said accommodation. It's he, he, he's the one who to blame. Sack him, sack Alexander. He's gone. Good. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Just uh, a, a quick moment to tell you what's coming up after nine o'clock. The Sony award-winning Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be on. He's joined by a man so desperate to lose weight that he's quit his job because he fears it will cause a heart attack. Mike from Luton is worried that he won't see his 11-year-old son grow up because of his weight problems. And JVS is asking what your advice for 25 stone Mike would be. JVS show from nine here on BBC Three Counties. One suggestion, walk more, eat less. I don't know. I mean, that's... I know it's not as simple as that. And food can be viewed as an addiction, but definitely what more, eat less is, is, is one way to start um, to start that. Now, we've been uh, talking about uh, the uh, PCC for Buckinghamshire, Anthony Stansfeld, who is, uh, well, he got in a little bit of uh, hot water for setting up what some have described as a sham office. He denies it, which meant he could claim expenses to and from work. 
That ended after a couple of months. He's now spending £20,000 a year of your money on a chauffeur. Well, Tom, uh, Tony Page, sorry, is a Labour councillor who sits on the Thames Valley Police and Crime Panel, which holds the PCC, Anthony Stansfield, to account. Uh, Tony, the panel meets on Friday. What will you be saying about Mr Stansfield? Well, good morning. I, I will be trying to raise this issue um, at the meeting on Friday, although uh, the chairman of the panel is very protective of the uh, uh, Police and Crime Commissioner and may well try and block any attempts because, of course, it's not formally on the agenda, having only arisen in the last few days. So there are some serious questions that the Commissioner needs to answer uh, about the way he created an office in Hungerford Police Station, which is only a few miles uh, from his house. And it all Four seems, miles, I think, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah. Um, you could almost walk it. Um, and it all seems very odd, and uh, it's resulted in him being able to generate uh, expenses claims... Uh, um, of over a thousand pounds, and uh, um, the, uh, there are questions that he needs to ask. In fact, in February he claimed uh, over a thousand, and in March thirteen hundred. Whereas in uh, December and January it was thirty-four pounds and sixteen, respectively. Um, all by dint of creating um, an office in Hungerford Police Station. Tony, if this does get blocked on Friday, when would the next opportunity arise for you to bring this up? Well, there will be um, opportunities when we meet with the uh, uh, Commissioner as well. The Commissioner um, does uh, uh, venture out of his lair into parts of uh, Berkshire, Buckinghamshire and Oxfordshire, um, and there will be subsequent opportunities. And I know he's, for example, coming uh, to Reading from where I'm speaking um, in early June. Um, So there will be uh, obvious opportunities. I hope that the Chairman of the Police and Crime Panel will allow questioning of the Commissioner, because these are legitimate points of public interest because uh, the police commissioner has created a chauffeur for himself he appointed an expensive deputy um, none of which was declared before the election all of which costs a lot of money at a time when uh, policing is under pressure he did uh, mr sansville did say before he got elected that he would have a chauffeur do you still have a problem with that well, I do actually, and uh, I think I, I think there are questions that need to be asked about uh, um, the nature of the uh, of the job and uh, and the responsibilities that have been designated. It wasn't it wasn't formally uh, it wasn't formally in his manifesto um, that I'm aware of, but uh, uh, he was apparently heard at one meeting uh, uh, saying that he would appoint the chauffeur. Uh, I concede that. Um, so uh, uh, let's hope that uh, there is the opportunity to. Um, uh, cross-examine him on Friday. What action do you think should be taken against him? Well, it's very difficult. The uh, the Police and Crime Commission apparently falls outside um, the standards regime for, for local government and also for MPs. Um, so this is new territory. This is a daft position that was created by the coalition that nobody in local government and few people in the public wanted to see. The turnout was, of course, only 13% across the Thames Valley last year. Um, so um, this and other episodes around the country mean that uh, questions um, have been raised as to how the probity surrounding the operation of police commissioners can be maintained. Um, so I'm not in a position to answer that question. Perhaps Theresa May as Home Secretary, who promoted this daft idea, would like to answer that. Tony, thank you very much. That's Tony Page, Labour councillor, who sits on the Thames Valley Police and Crime Panel, which holds uh, Mr uh, Anthony Stansfield, the PCC, for bucks to account. And we'll be following that up and finding out if Tony is allowed to ask his questions on Friday. Right, quick look at the front pages of the newspapers, shall we? He clears his throat and hopes nobody notices. Right, The Guardian. 
Um, he pleaded on TV to come home. Uh, pleaded on TV, sorry, for Tia to come home. Now he admits he killed her. This is Stuart Hazel. Yesterday dropped his campaign of lies and admitted murdering Tia Sharp. Isn't it interesting when these uh, the, the, the guilty verdict comes out or they they admit guilt? All of the nasty backstory about that gentleman. What a horrid gentleman. Uh, this to one side. His past behaviour is absolutely um, shocking. Um, and Cameron Olive Branch on EU as UKIP soars. PM endorses early referendum bill. Bonnie Tyler's in a lot of the papers. Is it the Eurovision this weekend? Oh, OK, it is. All right, well, that's something for me to... Another reason for me not to watch the television this weekend, then, for goodness sakes. Oh, we need to get hold of... Um, producer Laura, we need to get hold of the uh, gentleman. We need to get hold of the gentleman who wrote the song for Eurovision, don't we? Do you remember? Yes, There was a, a local chap who'd written a song for Eurovision and thought it was kind of a, an old boys club and he couldn't get his song on. He was from Buckinghamshire yeah. and he was disappointed at the selection process by the BBC for yeah. choosing songs and he said, look, I've got a perfectly good song. Why haven't uh, I been selected? It was an excellent song. It, we enjoy playing it. Can we get him on Friday? Yes. Uh, we'll play a little bit of his song again. Let's tee him up and then we can get him on on uh, monday show to give us uh, a professional view of the eurovision song contest he clearly knows his stuff certainly does well that's that's certainly something to look forward to there we'll sort that out the independent wake-up call on northern ireland paramilitaries support for northern ireland's paramilitaries will persist until politicians tackle endemic poverty and youth unemployment um let's do let's do a couple more and then we'll do the rest later on the daily telegraph cameron to rush out law for eu vote there's a picture of uh, prince harry holding uh, his balls uh, and the minister elderly care is key to nhs uh, rugby balls uh, care is key to nhs recovery the nhs could collapse without decisive action to get more elderly people out of hospitals and final one for the moment oh no it's the telegraph business we're not interested in and in the slightest are we no let's have a look at the, te- the times very quickly um uh, tories forced cameron to enshrine eu vote in law and um there's a pic a david hockney painting that's news, is it? A painter has painted a picture? Wowzers. It's 7.45, here's the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 clockwise, we're still looking very slow. There's a lane closed on the exit slip round to the northbound M1. Now, the good news is... Because there's only one lane closed, that means the slip road is actually now open. We have that overturned lorry. They're still in the process of recovering it, but they've opened one lane past the scene about 15 minutes ago. That means traffic can now finally join the northbound M1 from the clockwise M25, but you'll still find it busy. Further round clockwise, next junction along junction 21A, there's a lane closed on the entry slip road. There's been an accident with a car and a lorry involved there. That's the road coming from the A405 there onto the M25. Anti-clockwise, we've got delays from the M1 to the M... Junction 19 at Watford area. It's taking 10-15 minutes to get through. Then from Chorleywood to the M40, taking maybe 25 minutes there. Southbound M1 is looking busy from the Luton Airport spur to Redbourne. The A1 into London around Boreham Wood is queuing from Stirling Corner to Apex Corner. And delays if you're heading into London on the A40 this morning. From Uxbridge through to Perivale, it's taking 25 minutes to half an hour around there. Tail end of the M40 is looking okay on the cameras at the minute. On the trains Greater Anglia, it's 15 minute delays. Liverpool straight through to Cambridge and Bishop Stortford after earlier signalling problems at Hackney Downs. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Well, I, I have to say, I've just been brought a marvellous eggy roll by Mr Jonathan Vernon-Smith, uh, who won a Sony Award last night. Congratulations. 
Oh, he looks rough. <laughs> I, he's, I, I suspect he could be doing a Paula this morning. Right, 7.47. It's Tuesday the 14th of May. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Taxpayers' Alliance is accusing the Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner of going on a, quote, spending spree with public money, unquote, by hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. The Conservatives will publish draft legislation today guaranteeing an in-out referendum on the EU before the end of 2017. In sport, Roma have been fined €50,000. It's about just over £42,000 by the Lega Calcio after a section of supporters racially abused three AC Milan players during last night's game at the San Siro. Coming up, before 8 o'clock, should Polish be taught on the national curriculum? The manager of the Polish Integration Centre, based in in Bedford, certainly thinks so. She'll be joining me to explain why she thinks it could benefit both British and Polish kids. Before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's not the bad start to the day. There's some brightness across all three counties at the moment, but we've already seen some showers blow through, and that's really the precursor of things to come. The cloud will thicken through the course of the morning. Some heavy showers will blow through just before we get the heavy, more persistent rain. So although it's quite bright as you leave to, uh, today, when you come home this evening, your commute home may be not be quite so pleasant. Unfortunately, this rain, we could see between 20 and 30 millimetres through the course of the evening and overnight and the Met Office has issued a weather warning for parts of Buckinghamshire and also parts of Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire as well so uh, really worth watching out for particularly for rush hour this evening but through today temperature wise it's feeling cool in the southerly wind we're looking at a maximum of just 12 Celsius the sun sets at 20.44 this evening now as we head through the first part of this evening that's when we're going to hit the heaviest of the rain and like I say 20 to 30 millimetres expected it will re-ease off as we get through the night but as it eases off and moves away to the northeast the wind will strengthen we could get some gale force winds first thing tomorrow morning minimum temperature down to five celsius that's 41 degrees in fahrenheit and that's your forecast thanks very much Kate. sorry <laughs> got, got a mouthful of egg roll it's an eggy bat i was hoping you'd go on a little bit longer sorry about that never mind thank you no don't judge her she was the professional there not me Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Look at them, they're all scoffing. Look at you. I've got a mouthful of egg. <clears throat> now... <laughs> It's her last day with me. She don't care anymore. Now, you or your kids may have learnt some French or German at school, maybe even Spanish or Italian. Well, what do you think about the idea of Polish being on the curriculum? The manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, is calling for that to happen. She believes it would help British and Polish children integrate better and accept differences. 
Mags Brady also says that many Polish children lose the ability to read and write and it's difficult for them to become properly bilingual. Well, back in January, we did tell you that Polish had become the most commonly spoken non-native language in England. Well, Mags joins me now. Good morning, Mags. Good morning. Why should, why should children learn Polish rather than French, German or Spanish? Um, it's, I see the benefit of um, um, learning in the classroom and then straight away, once the children are out of the class on the playground, meeting with the native speakers of Polish could um, give them such boost of language and improve their language skills that I, I can see them benefiting greatly and actually developing those um, language skills to a, to a good level at an early age. But Polish is, is spoken... By so few people, it's not spoken around the world particularly. Why is it important for British children to learn Polish? Well, as, as you know, there, um, from the results of this uh, census, there is quite a few Polish speakers um, uh, in Britain. Britain, um, um, uh, Polish is considered to be the second language of Britain, um, and um, according to the census results, and, uh, and that proves that there is quite a few Polish people and Polish speakers here that um, that, that inter- interaction of languages could happen. Do you think that, that young Polish people are losing their roots and, and losing what it means to be Polish? Um, I think quite a few of them do. Um, there is um, some parents do their best to, um, to to keep them. They send them to um, Saturday schools. They they pay for private tuition. But of course, being a migrant mean, means working quite a lot, <laughs> and in a busy working schedule. Um, you know, the time for children is not always secured. And, uh, and uh, yes, and, uh, and if they don't have a parent who is determined and can devote a lot of time to that development, yes, they lose their language skills and they lose their identity as, um, as such with them. Max, the problem I have with this is mm-hmm. Polish is such a hard language. It's so hard! Well, it depends. It depends how you look at it's this. It's easy yes. for you. You're Polish. Uh, yes, but um, take the example of my um, uh, stepdaughter um, who came um, uh, to contact with Polish when she was six. At the moment, she's 26, and she's a fluent speaker of Polish, and she's, she's actually never learned at school. <laughs> well, she has, because she, uh, she went to Poland for one year. But she gained the skills very quickly as a child, because it's, it's important to start as a child. Of course, yes. um, uh, we do run um, introduction to Polish uh, language um, uh, to adults, but then it's not as easy. Sorry to interrupt, we're running out of time and I'm I'm going to go to my report in a second, but final question. Mm -hmm. We've had several people this morning get in touch saying, why should we learn Polish? They come over here, they should learn English. What would you you say to those people? Well, we are learning English, but if we could um, uh, give you the opportunity to learn some of our language, it's something that we feel, you know, we've got to offer for you. And if you'd like to benefit from that gift, here it is. Max, give me a a simple phrase to say in Polish. Well, dzień dobry. Yeah, a a simple one. Mm -hmm. Is that it? When dzień dobry? Dzień dobry means good day. Good day. Well, Mags, listen, it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for Mm -hmm. taking the time to join us this morning. That's Mags Brady from the... She's the manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre. Well, it seems to make sense to me. I know some of you seem very disappointed by this. And Well, hang on a minute. Come over here, nicking our jobs. I should learn English. Well, they are learning English. 
So why don't we reciprocate and learn a little bit of Polish? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Gary says, we are in the UK. The main language spoken is English. I have no problem with people coming here, but if they do, they should speak our language, English. You start with Polish, when will it end? With Russian, Italian, Romanian, Chinese, Japanese, etc. (laughs) He listed lots of different languages he doesn't want to learn. And Rich says, my four-year-old daughter who lives in Luton has some Polish friends who's already started picking up the language and is keen to learn it. Why should it be different to uh, the other European languages which are taught at school? I wait four five nine four double five five double five. We've got a text here as well. Uh, Val says they would not fund English lessons in other countries. They should learn English before they come here. Wowzers. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. Is Justin ready? Can we go to? Uh, we've sent out our reporter, Justin Dealey, to uh, find out what people have been thinking about this. Justin, what have people been saying to you? Well, Ian, if you, if you believe the back of certain buses at the moment going across Bed Sarts and Bucks, so we are local and we are vocal, uh, of course, with your picture on the back of these buses. Um, and I've said about that. Um, uh, what I would say, you know, I'm out on the streets every single day getting opinions, and in the last year or so, I keep on hearing this phrase, "me no speak English." And what I would say that is. Is getting worse. We Sorry, spoke to a Polish. Are you out on those streets in the 1970s? <laughs> no. Me no speak no English. Yes. yes, I've heard it more and more in the last year. We heard from a poll earlier on who said that that when he came to this country, he came to this country for a better life, and it infuriates him that that people from Poland come here and they can't speak the language. That's coming from somebody who is Polish. Well, I'm in Bedford this morning. Some people think that learning Polish in schools is a great idea. Other people. They don't think it's a great idea, but they can't really explain their reasons. Well, here's some of the views I've heard this morning. Now, sir, you're part Polish. Do you think the Polish should be taught as a language in schools? I think um, because of the way we are at the moment as a country, you know, we're getting more and more um, international people. It'd just be helpful if we could communicate. I mean, they, I, I have a lot of influence in the community because of a lot of people that I know are Polish. They try their hardest to learn our language. So I don't see any reason why we shouldn't try to learn their language. Madam, what's your views then? Should Polish be taught in schools? You've got a young child? I think that learning any language is good for a child. Um, I've got a Spanish background. Spanish is taught in schools. German's taught in schools. Why not Polish? It seems that it would help then as, as a country. You think it would I help us to, to learn the language? To Polish people in the country now is probably a good language to learn. I don't think it should be in every school though i think maybe give the children a choice like they do with the spanish and german well it, it, it seems to make sense to me to be honest justin there's so many polish here it is the second most popular language after english in this country then mm. why don't we learn it I mean, you think so? I mean, you've heard some views there from people saying it's a great idea. Yesterday, I couldn't find anybody. We've got some views coming up after eight of those who, who think it's absolutely ridiculous. But again, that they can't really explain their reasons. It is the second most spoken language uh, in this country. But again, to, to flip that coin, I spoke to a Polish person yesterday who said to me, you can only use Polish in Poland, right? Her words, not mine. Other languages that the children could learn could be spoken in other countries as well. So, obviously, falls and against... With everything but but certainly strong views coming in and justin sorry just remind me what you've been hearing every morning on the streets <laughs> uh me no speak english i've heard that quite a bit in the last year i'm just telling you in my personal experience there are a lot of people living in bed okay. and bucks right now who cannot speak english just, just give it to me just say it to me one more time nice and slowly you're clipping this aren't you you're clipping this no i'm not i just want to make sure <laughs> you I've are got it right. i just make sure i've got it right yes okay me no speak english 
Thank you very much, Justin Dealey. 08459 four double five five double five. Right, here's Adam with the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. It's all the M25 this morning, clockwise. We've still got slow traffic and there's a lane closed on the exit slip to the northbound M1. It's because of this overturned lorry, which they are still recovering. Junction 21, of course, is the one for the M1 there. The slip road was fully shut 20 past three. They got a lane open about half an hour ago. On the clockwise M25 at the next junction, good news, because the lane has now reopened on the entry slip at 21A following an accident there. That's been cleared. Coming anti-clockwise around the M25, there are delays that start in Essex at the M11 and go right the way through the roadworks this morning, all the way to the A1M. Could take 35 minutes there. Then 10-15 minutes from the M1 round to Watford, and another 25-odd minutes from Chorleywood through to the M40, so it's all slow moving. Southbound M1 is looking busy between Luton Airport and Redbourne, junctions 10 and 9. The A404 in High Wycombe is queuing toward the M40. In Watford, delays on the A412 at the Town Hall Roundabout. And on the trains, 15 minute delays Greater Anglia, Liverpool Street through to Cambridge and Bishop Stortford after earlier signalling problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Well, JVS is talking about this after nine, but we're still asking Polish. What's wrong with learning it at school? Here's the news. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock, the headlines. Police Commissioner spending in the spotlight calls for Polish to be added to the curriculum and Watford set to play Palace at Wembley. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioners being accused of going on a spending spree with public money for hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. The Taxpayers Alliance are calling for Anthony Stansfeld to keep a tighter grip on the purse strings at a time when most families are having to tighten their belts. Labour's Tim Starkey stood against Anthony Stansfeld in the PCC election. He's also questioning the move. To put it in context, I believe only five members of the Cabinet have dedicated drivers. Um, At a time when we are seeing 20% cuts to police funding, it sends out completely the wrong message if somebody at the top of the organisation... David Cameron's latest attempt to deal with unrest in his party over Britain's relationship with the European Union appears to have failed. The Conservatives will publish draft legislation today guaranteeing a referendum on whether to stay in the EU before the end of 2017. The move's being seen as a way of placating Tory MPs who are planning to support a Commons vote tomorrow, criticising the failure to mention the referendum in the government's programme of legislation. It's emerged that outside London, Milton Keynes has the country's highest number of families living in B&B accommodation for longer than the legal limit of six weeks. Milton Keynes Council spent £370,000 housing people at the Ashrose Hotel in Bedford last year. One of those currently placed there is Ilas Ali, who's been living in a bedroom with his wife and two children for two months. They, uh, they did... Uh Warn us it could be in Bedford or Northampton. But I did ask, um, it would be better if it was in Philippines for me, because obviously my daughter goes to a playgroup in Bletchley and also I have work in Bletchley. Members of Bedford's Polish community are calling for their language to be taught more widely in schools. According to the Polish-British Integration Centre, private classes are not enough, as Serena Farrow reports. The manager of the organisation says it'll help both English and Polish children to communicate with each other, particularly outside of school. Mags Brady also says it would make integration easier. She claims that many young Polish people forget how to read and write their native language, so never actually become bilingual. Therefore, this would allow them to preserve both. 
Congratulations were in order this morning for our colleague Jonathan Vernon-Smith and his team after they scooped silver at the Sony Radio Academy Awards last night. The JVS show was a winner in the Best Speech Programme category, with judges praising the team for their knack of finding interesting stories and telling them well. Well, at nine o'clock you can hear how well they tell those stories after three hours' sleep. In sport, Watford will play Crystal Palace in the Championship Playoff Final in two weeks' time at Wembley. Palace beat arch-rivals Brighton last night in the Amex Stadium, courtesy of two goals from Wilfred Zaha. The sp- uh, weather, it's sunshine and showers with a top temperature of 12 degrees Celsius, that's 54 Fahrenheit. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Now, I keep forgetting that that's changed. Now, I know. Uh, yes. So, uh, I cut you off in your prime earlier on. You were speaking uh, a, a foreign language that was marvellous to hear. I don't know what it was, I'm not that bothered. But you... Uh, Estaba hablando español. Okay. Yeah. But you also said you can speak the French. Let's hear some of that. Mais qu'est-ce que tu veux que je te dise and do you, can you say anything in French? Yeah. Do you know all the words? I know quite a lot of words. It's been a long time since I spoke it, but that was what my degree was in. How do you do that? Um, you kind of... Oh, you don't really care. But have you got all the words like in French in your head, that, like the ones you've got in English? I have a very good memory for those sort of things. Wow. I forget quite a lot of the stuff. That's brilliant. Well, thanks. Is that enough attention on your boring skills of speaking oh, a foreign language? Oh, God, I thought you were actually caring there for a minute. Not in the slightest. Couldn't care less. Want to get on with the show. Zut alors. Morning, this is Inley, BBC Three Counties Radio. It does amaze me how people learn all the foreign words. How do people learn all the foreign words? There's a lot of them. Coming up between now and nine o'clock, do you live in Buckinghamshire? We look into why your police and crime commissioner is being criticised for hiring a chauffeur. A Labour parliamentary candidate for Thames Valley will be joining me to give her view. We'll be finding out why Milton Keynes has the highest number of families with children outside London living in B&B accommodation for longer than they should be. And should Polish be taught on the national curriculum? The manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, thinks so. I'll be speaking to a governor of education from Bedford about why he disagrees. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of you um, having interesting conversations on the Facebook page about this learning Polish. Some of you put forward some really excellent uh, and well-thought-out points. Some of you, like Paul Wardby, don't. Paul Wardby's uh, answer to, should we teach Polish in schools? No way! They shouldn't be in our county! Huh? Just to recap what Paul Wardby says, should we teach Polish in our schools? No way! They shouldn't be in our county! Okay, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to uh, give me a call, you can also uh, send me a cheeky text, 81333, start your text, 3CR. Now, the Police and Crime Commissioner for the Thames Valley, which covers Buckinghamshire, has been criticised for hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. Who's paying for it? Oh, me and you. How cool would that be, having a chauffeur to drive you to and from work? Well, previously, Anthony Stansfeld used a small police office near to where he lives as a base from which to claim travel expenses to the head office near Oxford, as expenses cannot be claimed from home. He denies using a sham office to fiddle his expenses. 
Robert Oxley from the Taxpayers Alliance explained earlier how it might have increased his expenses claim. Robert, can you explain in simple terms exactly what Mr Stansfield did? Well, what Mr Stansfield did is he has to commute from his home to his main office, which is about a 45-minute commute. It's about 37 miles. And what happened is suddenly he set up a small office in one room in his local police station. And every morning he would go there, check in. And then because he'd checked in, it meant that he could now claim his journey on expenses, something that he'd not been able to do. And obviously, you know, that might be within the rules. But to anyone looking at it, that looks like a cynical attempt to maximise the amount of expenses, the, ma- the amount of taxpayers' money that you could claim. And he kept this arrangement for two months, and it ended up costing taxpayers an absolute fortune. How, how much did it cost for those two months? Do we know? They're saying it went up 6,000% or nearly four and a half, nearly 450 miles, 450 pounds uh, just for each mile. He received... When Seven he... pounds one one month, and then four hundred fifty pounds a month later. Well, that was earlier on in the show. Victoria Growlith is a Labour parliamentary candidate in the Thames Valley area, and formerly Labour group leader at Wickham District Council. Victoria, how do you feel about all of this? Well, I've written to Anthony Stansfield asking him to justify his expense claims. Um, I really want to know. For, for me, it's really important that um, he shows whether he's accountable. Um, to the public and um, people in in Reading here and I know people right across your area will rightly want to know exactly what he's spending on expenses and have have every reason, you know, and right to hold him to account. Do the public have a right to know about every penny that the PCC spends? Well, they have a right to know, yes. They voted him into place. He's working on their behalf and, and it's taxpayers' money. Of course they do, absolutely. But it's just a car and a little office, no? Well, it's um, a li- the little office is too. Is, was um, he says no, he's no longer, doesn't he? But um, but uh, it's not a little car, from what I can gather. But I guess that's that's not really the point, is it? The point is, is that every penny he's spending is our money, and we want to know he's spending it properly and in the most efficient way possible. If he's entitled to the uh, the, the twenty thousand pounds a year chauffeur, which, by the way. I would love. I would yeah. love one of those guys. Yeah, the it, only time I get a chauffeur is when I've had a glass of wine and my husband drives There you go, home. exactly, yes, the, the husband's <laughs> taxi. If he's entitled to that and he's not breaking any rules, what's the problem? Well, I guess what we don't know is what the rules are, um, and that's one of the reasons that I'm calling for more accountability and better rules to stop people putting in expense claims that can be seen as a perk of the job. I think we need clarity on what the rules are. I'll give you an example. It didn't go terribly well for the Kent PCC, but she did employ a youth commissioner, and she was taking that money out of her own salary to pay for the youth commissioner. Now, if our um, PCC wanted to to do that um, and take the money for his chauffeur out of his salary... I'd have no problem with that because that's how he wants to use that money. But he's being paid £85,000 a year and £15,000, I believe, as a local councillor. And I think we have every right to scrutinise payments from the public purse for the commissioner and his office. Victoria, what would you like to see happen? Um, I'd like a reply from him first. So let's wait and see what he says back um, in his reply. Um, and I think I'd like him to be, to be held to account, um, depending on, on what that reply says. Um, I think one thing I would like to say is, um, and I'm, you know, people are very sort of um, angry with politicians at the moment, and we need to ensure that anybody in public office 
is held, um, you know, is accountable to the public, but also brings back a feeling that po- politicians can be trusted. And I think that this story, from talking to people out on the doorstep, this story has proved that people just feel a bit uncomfortable about it. And that doesn't do him any favours, and it doesn't do us as politicians any favours well, either. It does seem that we've we've heard this before, and I thought all this kind of things with, with, with MPs had, had ended, and now it just seems it's shifted along to PCCs. And you know what? Um, Thames Valley Police are experiencing huge cuts at the moment, and 20 grand is a lot of money, and you know what difference that could make to your community. I know what difference it could make to my community. And if you're an av- average, you know, copper out there, Bobby on the beat, you're out, you're a co- police and community support officer, you are paying your own way to get to work. It's really important that the Police and Crime Commissioner is seen to be above a board, uh, above board and seen to be doing things that is in, you know, is, is going to benefit his whole community. Victoria, thank you very much indeed. That's Victoria Gralliff, uh, Labour parliamentary candidate in the Thames Valley area, talking about the uh, Bucks PCC, or the Thames Valley PCC, um, who is claiming £20,000 a year for a chauffeur to drive his car around. Where do I sign up? I have to drive myself into work at half past four in the morning. I'd love a chauffeur. I could lie and say I'd be doing work in the back. I, I wouldn't. I can't read in cars. I get nauseous. I can't do it. Are you the same, producer, Laura? I'm exactly the same. Get nauseous. Can't do it. Yeah, and I don't really like sitting in the back of cars either. Oh. I like sitting up front. Oh, no, I like sitting in the back. Don't talk to me. You, well, not you, the driver. <laughs> don't, don't talk to me. I don't, I don't like that. I want to just sit in the back, have a doze, listen to a bit of the radio, you know, whatever. But I, I can't read. I've only just learned how to read on aeroplanes. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it, yes, I've developed that skill. That will come as you approach 40. So, okay. Uh, it's your last day with me today. Yeah. Why do you look so happy? Because it's my last day with you today. Unbelievable. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Not here tomorrow. David Preve is in. I'm, I'm on another course. Two courses in two weeks. What are they trying to tell me? That I don't know how to do it? They could be. And that they would be pretty, pretty good. But that means on Thursday we come back, we've got a new producer, we've got producer Tara, and we'll have been on a course. Thursday's show's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best show ever. You would think. Anyway. Uh, we've been talking about learning Polish in schools. Surely it's a good idea. Polish is the second most popular language in the country after English, so it makes perfect sense to learn Polish. Bartek's from Milton Keynes. Morning, Bartek. Uh, good morning, good morning. Good How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you very much. Do you think that uh, our children should be learning Polish? I think it's totally ridiculous idea, actually. Why is that? It's because uh, the thing is, we are Poles. We are in in a foreign country for us, which is uh, which is England. You know, we are guests over here, yeah. and that's us who who should you know learn uh, English. It uh, uh, you know, first time when I came to England, it was 2004. I couldn't speak English at all uh, myself, and. Uh, I did it as quick as possible because it has helped me in everything. Actually, you know, you know that's that's the way you know it should be. Bartek, how, how old were you when you learnt English? Uh, twenty, twenty-two. Mm. See, that's quite old, isn't it? It's, it's harder to learn languages uh, the older you get. Did you find it? Did you find English a difficult language? No, and there's, there's another thing. English is one of the easiest languages, I think, in the world. So there's no reason uh, why we should, shouldn't learn it. Because Polish, I know Polish, it's, it's one of the most difficult uh, languages. Mm. In- 
Do you do you pronounce as well? And the grammar is very difficult. So in English, comparing to English, is very easy. Do you dream in English or Polish? Both, both languages. Ooh, he's, he's, he's a bilingual yeah. Listen, Listen to some comments that we've had on the Facebook page. I'm just keen to get your, your thoughts on these. There's two in particular. Uh, we've asked the question, should children be learning Polish in schools? Peter Warby says, no way they shouldn't be in our county. That's a reference to, to, to Polish people. And Steve Tomlin says, too many foreigners here. I should have immigrated years ago. Well, it's emigrated. It's emigrated, Steve, so maybe you could do with a few few English lessons. But Bartek, when you hear comments like that, two comments side by side, directed at you and, and your, your kinfolk, how does that make you feel? Mm, <laughs> you know, there was a time when we, when England needed uh, an immigrant, and uh, we came here to do actually basic jobs like, uh, you know, warehouse and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that uh, Paul's gonna do that jobs for all the time, you know. We evaluated, and I've got a lots of, you know, lots of uh, friends doing quite like you know managing jobs and stuff like that. So you can expect that uh, you know we're gonna stay and don't move on. So that's why I think English people they think uh, we started to take their jobs because you know we we learning, you know, people studying, they they you know getting experience. And stuff like that. We're going to end it next one out of time, but you've expressed yourself far better than Peter Warby and Steve uh, Tomlin on, on Facebook could. So I thank you for that. It's emigrated, not immigrated, just to clarify that. Right, 8.15, here's the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 25, it's looking very slow. There's a lane closed on the exit slip to the northbound M1 still because of that overturned lorry. And they're doing the recovery work now. It's Junction 21 there. It's the clockwise slip road that was originally shut, but they opened the lane past it. And they've now got a lane closure on the anti-clockwise entry slip road as well, where the two slip roads meet. So it's quite slow both ways on the M25 going past Junction 21 at the minute. Anti-clockwise, you've got delays that start in Essex at the M11 and go right the way through the roadwork section to the A1M. Then it's slow from the M1 to Watford and then busy from Chorleywood to the M40. So anti-clockwise, very slow this morning. A603 in Bedford. We've got very very slow traffic between the A421 and the Bedford Road at the Sandy Roundabout, not helped by temporary traffic lights that are up through there. I had a call about that this morning. Thank you very much. A1 coming into London. Boreham Woods looking slow. Stirling Corner through to Mill Hill Circus. M40 seems to be doing OK at the minute, but you're going to find queues on the A40 this morning if that's your route into London. From Uxbridge through to Perivale, still looking very busy on the cameras. A5 in Dunstable's slowing up from Church Street through to Lynch Hill. And on the trains, good news, Greater Anglia have sorted things between Liverpool Street in Cambridge and Bishop Stortford. It was signalling problems at Hackney Downs that were causing them some trouble. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, it's 8.17. It's uh, Tuesday the 14th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner is being accused of going on a spending spree with public money for hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. The Conservatives will publish draft legislation today guaranteeing a referendum on whether to stay in the EU before the end of 2017. Oh dear, there's a little bit of that um, that egg roll coming up there. <laughs> did, your, did your egg make a reappearance? <laughs> a little windy pops there, I do apologise. <laughs> now, in sport, Watford will play Crystal Palace in the Championship playoff final in two weeks at Wembley. Weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Blah, 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 blah. Coming up before 8.30, we'll be, sun and rain and stuff. We'll be finding out why Milton... I just <laughs> really... We'll be finding out why Milton Keynes has 
the highest number of families with children outside. <laughs> Don't laugh, it's not funny. You can see why I wasn't at the Sony's last night. <laughs> whatever, whatever. We'll be finding out what stuff. BBC Three Counties Radio. You can listen to BBC Three Counties Radio in so many different ways. On FM. 95.5, 103.8 and 104.5. On AM. 630 and 1161. Online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. And on digital radio. Retune your digital radio now and look out for BBC 3CR. Bringing local radio to you. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, look at that kung fu fighting. Everybody was kung fu fighting. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. Was it? Yes, it was terrifying, actually. Anyway, Jonathan Vernon Smith, yesterday, just a man. Today, an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't, don't. You, congratulations. Thanks very much. You won a Sony uh, Award. What what, what category? Best speech? Best speech programme. Who came? You came second, which is brilliant. Silver is is wonderful. Wonderful. Who came third? Uh... It Does was it? a project. Oh. It was a project. Oh, good for them. Good for them. The one that won was a documentary on Uganda. Oh, for goodness sakes. I mean, really. Oh, they, it's they Fee, cu- Fee Glover came third. Oh, OK. I, I mean, met her. She's very nice. Oh, she's, I'm sure she's delightful. But, I mean, they, they come over here, they steal our Sony Awards. What on earth is going on? It is outrageous. Out- no, I'm sure it was a <laughs> wonderful documentary. And Ian Dale, nothing? Uh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. I, I went up to him afterwards. So I said, nice to meet you, Ian. He said, oh, commiserations. Sorry? I thought, well, at least I've got an award in the barn. You can't commiserate someone for coming second. He didn't put a, dr- a blog on. He's put his acceptance speech on his blog. What? Why would you... <laughs> I, I don't I, I, listen. I don't mind a little bit of Ian Dale. I think he's a cracking presenter, but that's uh, a, a bold move to put. To, what was your acceptance speech? Do you want to? Well, it's it's lucky I hadn't bothered writing one, isn't it? Really, yeah, it is, I didn't yeah. need to say it. You look. I'll be honest. What's that? You look awful. Oh, thanks very much. No, you do, and I know it's because you've three and a half hours sleep. Yes, and I can tell that uh, from your slightly haggard expression. Can you really? I'm just worried about you. Do you want me to stick around a bit today in case? You know, you do a Paula, and I have do, to pop do in. Do you reckon? Yeah. I did, yes, I did have a few Pinot Grigios last night. Did you have a good You'll time? be very pleased to know I did not drive to work this morning. No, no. My chauffeur brought me. Rather like, <laughs> rather like the PCC. He's a cheeky monkey, isn't he? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'd quite like a chauffeur. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm sure we can sort that out now. You're a Sony Award winner yet again. What's on your show this morning, Jonathan? I've been very interested in your discussion about uh, children learning Polish this morning. Right. So from nine, if you don't mind, we're going to take this on. I'm going to be... I don't mind. I mean, say, I don't mind... I mind a little bit. I mean, oh. would that prevent you from doing it? Because why, why do you mind a bit? Well, just, you should be honoured. Well, no. I mean, why don't I just write your show for you every morning? It seems right, that's all right. Well, I mean, in some ways, that silver is yours. Well, probably it's probably one of my topics you were talking about. Probably. Yeah. Can I have a bit? Can I borrow it for the weekends? No. Oh. At nine, is it time for all children to be taught Polish in schools? The manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre based in Bedford is calling for Polish to be added to our national curriculum. She believes it would help British and Polish children integrate better and accept the differences between them. Polish has become the second most spoken language in England, so perhaps all of this makes perfect sense. From nine this morning, you right, a bit more egg? <laughs> A little bit of windy pops. From, 
from nine this morning. Is it time for all children to be taught Polish in schools? Perhaps you think, absolutely. If we've got lots of Polish people who've moved to this country, who have made this country their home, who may well have brought their children, then it's quite right and proper that we should learn their language and we should all integrate together as one. Or perhaps you think you're absolutely sick and tired of all the pressure being put on British people to have to learn other languages. Perhaps you think all of the pressure should be on anyone moving here to learn English. End of story. If you can't speak English, then that's your problem, not the rest of the country's problem. Your view from nine this morning. Is it time for all children to be taught Polish in school? 08459 Anything else? That's it, no. So you, you can press a button. It's a bit awkward today, isn't it? Why? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Out now, you've got... Just go. I'm gonna... <laughs> He's just cackling. Cackling like a, a sad, drunken man. Well, it's got to be worth a listen at nine o'clock. A, because it's a cracking topic. We've done it. And B, just to see if he makes it to midday. Just to see if he makes it. Now, in the second of our reports on homelessness, we look at Milton Keynes. The new city has the highest number of families with children outside of London living in bed and breakfast accommodation for longer than the legal limit of six weeks. Milton Keynes Council spent almost £370,000 housing people at the Ash Rose Hotel in Bedford last year. Well, Peter Geary is the Tory councillor in charge of housing in Milton Keynes. Peter, why has the council been forced into this situation of housing families in unsuitable accommodation outside the borough for longer than six weeks? Um, there's a number of reasons for it. One is that there was obviously increased demand in, um, in, in what was coming forward for bed and breakfast over the last year. We've seen a doubling in demand in the last year of homelessness, and also a lack of supply, which was down to a number of issues which we have worked very hard over the last six months to resolve, but they will take a number of months to come through um, for them to come on board. We were trying for, for a year to get um, affordable rents through, which would see a massive release of housing into the social rented sector, um, which was fought against until we got a resolution last autumn, but still those houses are now coming through with planning commissions and everything else. How, how much social housing is being built over the, let's say, next two years? Well, if we look at Milton Keynes, we're building about 1,750 homes a year. 30% of that is coming in as um, affordable housing. Um, 25% of, of, of that 1,750 figure is coming in as social rented housing. Is, is that going to be enough, Peter, for, to ease the problem? Uh, indeed it is, and part of the problem was that over the last couple of years, because of a policy decision that the council took, um, or the council could not agree on, um, we are a minority administration, we don't control the council, so we cannot push policies through. Um, there was a policy decision taken that they wouldn't agree to affordable rents. That saw no properties joining the social rented sector during that time, because uh, they couldn't, um, although the social landlords had money to spend on properties and um, could spend it, um, they couldn't get any properties coming through. Builders weren't building, and hence we had a real stalling of the process, which was something that was, that was, that was deeply regrettable. We tried our very best to try to get a resolution to it, but in a minority administration, there's some things you just can't do. What do you think about Tory-run councils like Westminster housing their homeless in places like Bletchley? Well, it's not just Westminster, let's be fair. It's um, places like Luton as well, um, who, who are renting homes and sending them up there. And, I mean, it's very difficult, and... Um, 
we, we find it very difficult. The Westminster issue, I don't think, is anywhere near as big as a lot of people say it is. But we also but have it's moving. It's moving people way out of their area, isn't it? It's um, kind of just passing it, them it, on. It, it is, and, and one of one of the issues we've had is that some councils um, move them into our area, and we used to have a local residency of six months before you became eligible for Milton Keynes to have to house you, and that's another issue that has that has filtered in. So a council would rent a property for say nine months. They would move a family up into that property for nine months. At the end of that nine months, the tenancy would come to an end. There would be Milton Keynes Council's problem then to deal with, which was, a, which was an issue. One of the things we pushed to change this year was that you had to have a local connection for more than three years before Milton Keynes Council would house you. So if they moved you up there for nine months, it would be Westminster's job or Luton's job or wherever that, to, to, to house them after that point. So they would go back to Westminster and be housed there. And, and that's something that was once again fought against by, by, by some opposition members. But it's, um, it, you know, it's very important that local houses in Milton Keynes are for the local people of Milton Keynes initially. And that's what we're trying to get through. Peter, thank you very much. Peter Geary, Tory councillor in charge of housing in Milton Keynes. Me no speak English. Oh, that was the wrong thing, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> That'll act as a stab. It'll do. Uh, right, quick look at the rest of the front pages. We, we left off the, the last three. The Daily Express, uh, the great EU revolt, PM caves into rebels on referendum, and Delia Smith, while I'll never return to TV. Delia, it's the same reason I'll never return to TV. They won't have me back. The Daily Mail. After the sole nurse in charge of care for up to 250,000 patients, the out-of-hours doctors on £1,350 a shift... GPs are being paid £1,350 a shift to work for Britain's biggest out-of-hours care provider. This is the, uh, the 111. Documents seen by the Mail reveal Harmony, who do the 111 service, has been offering doctors £150 an hour for a nine-hour shift because managers are so desperate to cover evenings and weekends. Well, it's, it's good work if you can get it. Uh, and The Sun, um, exclusive mum's message to Monster Who Murdered Girl 12. Why did you hurt my tear? I want to kill you with my own hands. That's the sad story of uh, the young lady that was murdered. Right, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, we're asking this morning... What's wrong with learning Polish? Shouldn't we learn Polish in our schools? Wouldn't it make sense if our children learnt Polish? There are so many Poles in Britain. Polish is the, the, the most popular language that's spoken here after English. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? 08459 455 555. Why? Here's the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25, it's slow both ways past Why? Junction 21 at the M1. Why? Because of the issues on the exit slip road with the overturned lorry. That happened early this morning. They're still recovering it and there's a lane closed on that exit slip road. Clockwise M25 also slow into the roadworks, junction 22 to 23, and from 24 to 25 looking quite busy as well. Anti-clockwise, the delays start at the M11 in Essex, go right the way through the roadworks to the A1M, then it gets busy again from the M1 to Watford and Chorleywood to the M40. A603 in Bedford this morning is very slow. We've got temporary traffic lights up for roadworks and it's slow between the Bedford Southern Bypass and the A1 at the Sandy Roundabout. Now if you're joining the A1 at the Black Cat Roundabout, that's busy as well. And the A404 in High Wycombe is looking particularly busy toward the M40 at Junction 4. 
That said, the M40 on the cameras not running too badly into and out of London this morning. Trains, after the problems of earlier, seem to be back to normal. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, 8.30 or thereabouts. Give us a call. Of course we should learn Polish in schools. It makes perfect sense. 08459 455 555. Here's the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner is being accused of going on a spending spree with public money for hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. The Conservatives will publish draft legislation today guaranteeing a referendum on whether to stay in the EU before the end of 2017. And it's emerged that outside London, Milton Keynes has the country's highest number of families living in B&B accommodation for longer than the legal limit of six weeks. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Exactly a year to the day since they won their first league title in 44 years, Manchester City have sacked manager Roberto Mancini. Why? In a statement, the club say despite everyone's best efforts, they... The club has failed to achieve any of its stated targets this year, with the exception of... Sorry. This is serious football stuff. Despite everyone's best efforts, the club has failed to achieve any of its stated targets this year, with the exception of qualifying for next season's Champions League. Former City defender Danny Mills says Mancini will be fondly remembered by the club's fans. He will go down in folklore in the blue half of Manchester as the man that obviously won the first trophy for 35 years and won the Premier League. And, and rightly so, you know, he's done exceptionally well. But, you know, what were the targets this year? To win the Premier League? To win the FA Cup? And probably to get to at least the quarter-final stage of the Champions League. He hasn't made any of those four and therefore one out of five I think the owners have said well it's not going in the right direction. Elsewhere in the Premier League Wigan must beat Arsenal tonight to maintain any hope of avoiding relegation from the Premier League. If Arsenal win they'll move back above Tottenham into fourth. Watford will play Crystal Palace in the Championship playoff final in a fortnight at Wembley. Two goals from Wilfred Zaha ensured a 2-0 aggregate victory over Palace's arch-rivals Brighton last night giving manager Ian Holloway his third playoff final in four years. Wickham Wanderers has settled its outstanding tax bill with Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. The club were represented in the high court yesterday where the winding up petition that they faced was dismissed. Wickham's joint chairman Don Woodward called the high court hearing a formality. And Luton Town have signed goalkeeper Elliot Justin from East Thorock. The 22-year-old has signed a two-year contract. Meanwhile, the Hatters have again been made favourites to win the conference next season. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning between six and nine. I'm off tomorrow, don't hold it against me. It's, uh, it, it, I'll be back on Thursday better. I'll be back on Thursday better. Imagine that. Uh, between now and nine o'clock, we're asking, and it really has got you very excited. Uh, and it, it, it's it, uh, quite fairly split on Facebook. More people saying no, but the few saying yes. Should Polish be taught on the national curriculum? The manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, certainly thinks so. And I'll be speaking to a governor of education from Bedford about why she disagrees. Um, you can give us a call about that. And we were having a little text thing. Are you interested in whether we're in or out of Europe? Not should we, yes or no. Are you interested? I think we had about five texts. The implication being, no one's that bothered. Not as many people are bothered as we're led to believed. To believe. Now, you or your kids might have learnt French, German at school, Spanish, Italian maybe. 
What do you think about the idea of Polish being on the curriculum? The manager of the Polish-British Integration Centre, based in Bedford, is calling for that to happen. She believes it would help children, uh, help British children and Polish children integrate better and accept differences. Mags Brady also says many Polish children lose the ability to read and write, and it's difficult for them to become properly bilingual. Well, back in January, we told you that Polish had become the most commonly spoken non-native language in England. George Staszczek is a governor of education in Bedford. He doesn't think it needs to be on the curriculum. He says there's already provision such as Saturday schools. George, how many children attend these weekend schools and what exactly do they learn there? Uh, good morning, Jim Dobry. Uh, in the United Kingdom, we've got something like about 12, 1,300 children go every Saturday. And what do they learn there? Uh, basically, Polish culture, Polish language, history, dancing, religion. Uh, the priest comes in and gets them ready for First Communion and Christmas activities, etc. So it's everything Polish. This, this has happened since 1953, when the, the you know after the war, when uh, our parents arrived here, and obviously they couldn't speak English, and so they had to go to special lessons. But to keep up the Polishness, they set up uh, Polish clubs and churches etc and the education has uh, has been backed by the polish government and do you i'm assuming then you don't think that polish should be taught as part of the national curriculum well to be honest it couldn't be taught because in the world of uh, languages and we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds polish is one of the hardest we're, we're somewhere about number 10 behind aborigines and oh. um, native americans etc so it's an extremely difficult language to actually learn. And even Polish people get it wrong because we've got a couple of O's, a couple of A's, a couple of E's, etc. And the pronunciation, and you never know if it's an O or a U or an O with an I accent. So, you know, it's, a, it's a definitely completely impossible to teach other people. I, I, I've mentioned this before, my wife is half Greek. They've got five E's. Five yeah. E's. And the Greeks don't get it right. They just kind of... Kind of exactly. Do you think, though, it, it would help with integration if we spoke a little bit of polish no not really the important pl- the important people like the the police and and um homeland security etc they they get lessons you know we teach them in uh, in in london in hammersmith there's a building called bosk p-o-s-k mm. and uh, that's where most of the organisations hide and uh, um, and work from, as it were, because like we we have a Polish education service, like, as I said, it's been going for all these years, and we provide technical information to the press, press, the media. I've been doing it for years with Radio Two, etc., and the police, and and all that sort of thing. So we get, we teach them. Or we say, you know, if you go to any bookstore, you can get yourself, teach yourself Polish and and go through that. If you want one-to-one or ten-to-one lessons, we have private teachers uh, up and down the country. And they can go into small groups, whether it's for children going on holiday to Poland from, from, you know, Polish descent, whether it's a businessman wants to go over there or politicians, etc. We provide that service. It's not a problem. George, can I read you a couple of comments we've had on our Facebook page? We, we We posed the question should uh, children in British schools learn Polish and uh, we've had a pretty much a good debate uh, about it Um, but a couple of people Paul Warby says no way they shouldn't be in our country Mm -hmm. and Steve Tomlin says too many foreigners I should have too many foreigners here I should have immigrated years ago when you hear things like that directed these are directed at the Polish community how does that make you feel 
Well, I, to be honest, I don't think it's directed at, exactly at us. There are too many foreigners. It's too easy to get into this country. And an awful lot of people outside of Europe who really shouldn't be here... Uh, arrive um, because the English provide a very good lifestyle. You know the benefit system is unbelievable. Uh, it's so generous. The uh, the medical side of it, the National Health Service is unbeatable. It's the only one on the planet. And of course, everybody wants. If you're ill in the middle of a desert, the first place you want to go to is England because it's free. You just la you just land. You go on benefits and you'll get uh, fixed. And then they'll think, right, should I stay in England or should I go back to the desert? I've got one life. They stay. George, interesting. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, George Stadchek, who's the uh, Governor of Education in Bedford. 08459 455 555. Dorothy's in Brill. Dor Dorothy, should we teach our children Polish? Hello? Hello. So, are you there? Yeah. Well, you, what, what were you up to then, Dorothy? I'm trying to make sausage rolls. You're making... <laughs> You're trying to make sausage rolls? Yeah, if I get them burnt, that's your fault. Well, no, I, are, are they in the oven now? No. OK, well, you, you know that Greg sells sausage rolls. You don't need to make them. I'm, I do my own thing. Good. Well, good, good for you, Dorothy. Do, speaking of doing your own thing, I believe you were married to a Polish gentleman. Yeah. Did you learn Polish? Well, I had to because he never did really understand English properly till the day he died. Hang on a minute. Did you? Where did you meet this gentleman? Well, there were a lot of EVWs in the camps at Bista. Yes. Um, there were about a thousand up there, I think. All different nationalities, Polish, Ukraine, Russian, you know. And did you speak Polish before you met him? No. And he didn't really speak English? No, not really. Never could re Well, he, he did to a certain extent, but he never got the hack of were, it. And you were married for 40 years? Yeah. How on earth... How on earth did you get together? Was it just a horrible mistake where you, you were trying to ask him if he wanted to go for a cup of tea and then suddenly you got married or something because he misunderstood you? You don't need words. Oh, Dorothy. <laughs> Back to the sausage rolls, aren't we? <laughs> steady, steady. Uh, uh, do, so you speak Polish. Do you speak it fluently? No, not now because I've, uh, being in amongst them, you pick it up ever so quickly. Yes. But... Um, after all this time, you know, because, I mean, he's been dead quite a while now. Yeah. Um, most of the EVWs are dead now. Yes. You know. Do you like, still use your Polish at all? Yeah. <laughs> when, when do you use Only it? Only being naughty. Oh, what, well, don't get us in trouble, but what, what, what naughty circumstances do you use Polish? Well, when they come on the cold calls. Oh, yeah. I say, Janio Rezumius Angelski. Oh. What have you, what have you, have you just said something really naughty? Well, no, it says I don't understand oh. English. Oh, very good. Well yeah. done. I see. And then vice versa, you see. Yes. If there's a pole on the line, I say I'm English. I don't understand Polish. Oh, I see. It works both ways. Well, Dorothy, listen, go, go and put your sausage rolls in. I haven't finished making them OK, yet. you go and do that, Dorothy. Have a nice day. Ta-ta. Yeah, you too. There right. we go, Dorothy, um, uh, talking about sausage rolls and Poland. Uh, well, Justin Daly has uh, been out and about. Good morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. I'm in uh, Bedford at the moment. Lots of views coming in. Going to grab the, the words here of Gordon, first of all. Uh, Gordon, you're live across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Should Polish be taught in schools? What do you think? Uh, no, it shouldn't at all, because... If we're going to teach our kids anything, we should teach them a language that will enable them to get a job elsewhere. If Polish people that are coming to this country, and they're a very important part of our makeup, want to teach their kids Polish, they should do it at home. 
But what about, though, children learning Polish? Surely there's got to be some sort of benefit. It's the second most spoken language in this country. It's the second most, just because we've got a prevalence of Polish people here, and that, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be something that lasts. But we've got to look about taking our skills abroad. And th languages like Portuguese uh, and even languages like Mandarin and Cantonese, are the, these are the emerging economies of the world, and if you want to have skills that you can sell around the world, then you've got to be able to speak them. OK, appreciate your time. Go and get changed now. You're wearing the tightest lycra I've ever seen. Thank you, Gordon. <laughs> Thank you. For there you go. That was uh, Gordon joining us live uh, in bed for this morning. I know, so I know, Justin, I know that radio is all about painting pictures and mm. theatre of the mind. That was not a picture I needed painted. Well, I have to say, it's not a picture I wanted in front of me either <laughs> from Gordon this morning. So Gordon's saying no. We heard from people earlier on who thought it was a good idea. Um, in the last 30 minutes or so, mostly people who think it's a bad idea. Some very interesting views. Uh, take a listen to these. Madam, you've got a young daughter at school. You wouldn't want her to be learning Polish. Why is that? Um, I just wouldn't because we come from this country and that's all I want her to speak. So you wouldn't want your daughter speaking any other language apart from English then? Only probably French because that's what I did at school and that's all we learnt was French or and then English. But no reason as to why you don't want her to, to learn Polish. If she's going to learn French that's a foreign language, why not Polish? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> So, Carol, you also think it's wrong to be teaching children Polish in schools. Can you tell us why? Uh, basically because this is England. We speak English in England, not Polish. If I moved to Poland, I would expect to have to learn Polish. But we're talking about school children learning a different language. They already learn different languages, whether it be French, German, Spanish. So why not Polish? Uh, maybe in time, but Polish isn't one of the universal languages. French, German, Spanish, English are. Mm. Maybe one day Polish will be, but it isn't at the moment. It's the second most spoken language in this country. Probably because there's that many Polish here, but around the world it, it's not the second most popular language. And I think children have enough to cope with in, in school at the moment without adding something I, I can't see is, is going to make their life any better by learning it. And a final word for yourself, Harry. Um, you, like a few people in Bedford this morning, think that, that children learning Polish in schools is a bad idea. Can you... No, I didn't say a bad idea, not a good idea. OK. Why is it not a good idea, then? Well, at the present moment, uh, I know we've got a fairly large Polish population in, in Bedford and in, in the whole county, in actual fact, but we also have a lot of other languages as well. And if you started to, to expand on that, you've got about 57 ethnic groups in the area. So you, you're going to really get into a tangle. I think stay with the European languages at this stage, but two backgrounds as far as the, the people, the immigrants are concerned, to teach their children themselves at home, but not at school. Oh, Justin. Some, sometimes I despair, Justin. Yeah. I don't, I don't, want, my, I don't want my kids learning any, speaking any other language. Or well, maybe French, because it's what I learn. Oh, for goodness sake. Expand your mm. minds. Educate I, I, yourselves. Look around I, you. I just thought that was absolutely fascinating, I have to say. And again, you know, like I said to you earlier on, Ian, um, some people think this is wrong, but they can't really explain their reasons as to why it is wrong. 
I don't want, I don't want my kids speaking any other language. <laughs> oh, for, there's a world out there. Go and have a look at it. Go and enjoy it. Embrace it. Taste it. Smell it. Make love to it. Eat, drink it. Eat it. It's wonderful. Oh, the passion. I can hear the passion. But in saying that, you, you've got to agree with some of the points about it being a, not being a universal language. Even the people I spoke oh, to yeah, yesterday right. who, were, who were Polish saying, well, people in Poland speak Poland, but they're not going to speak it anywhere else across the world, like different languages. So you can see both sides, surely. And Justin, do you speak any languages? Me no speak English. Okay, well, that's disappointing. 08459 455555. Is the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 is still where most traffic is this morning. We're looking slow because the exit slip road to the northbound M1 still has a lane closed while they continue with the recovery of an overturned lorry there. Busy on both sides of the M25 approaching Junction 21. On the clockwise side, you've got slow moving traffic from London Coney through to the A1M. Then it gets busy again from Potter's Bar to Enfield through the roadworks. Anti clockwise, queues start in Essex from the M11 right the way around to the A1M again through the roadworks. Then from the M1 to Watford and Chorleywood to the M40 is where most of the delays are. A603 near to Bedford, very slow moving this morning between the A421 and the A1 at the Sandy Roundabout. A5 in Dunstable's looking slow between Church Street and Lynch Hill. A41 in Aylesbury now slowing up between the Woodlands Roundabout and the Esso Roundabout. And the A1, if you're going in toward London through Boreham Wood, expect queues southbound between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circle. Trains and tubes looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Adam. Right, it's 8.46. It's Tuesday the 14th of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Thames Valley Police and Crime Commissioner is being accused of going on a spending spree with public money for hiring a chauffeur at a cost of £20,000 a year. The Conservatives will publish draft legislation today guaranteeing a referendum on whether to stay in the EU before the end of 2017. In sport, Watford will play Crystal Palace in the Championship playoff final in a fortnight after the London side beat Brighton 2 0 on aggregate. Right, coming up to 8.47, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we've had some brightness this morning, even a glimmer of sunshine across parts of well, all of the three counties, actually. However, the cloud is already starting to thicken and with it, we've seen some light patchy rain arrive and that's the precursor of the day, really. We're looking at light patchy rain moving towards us, some showers, some of those heavy, and it's towards this evening where that rain will become fairly persistent and fairly heavy as well. Now, the Met Office do have a yellow weather warning in place for the heavy rain. We could be seeing 10 to 20 millimetres widespread across all three counties, but for parts of Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire, we could actually get 20 to 30 millimetres through the course of this evening. Temperature-wise today, there's a strengthening southerly wind and it's going to feel cold. We're struggling into double figures. We're looking at a maximum of just 12 Celsius. That's 54 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, this evening is where the more widespread heavy rain arrives, particularly through parts of Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire and then that will slowly start to move away to the northeast through the course of the night. Now as the rain moves away the wind will pick up gale force winds possible towards dawn tomorrow morning. Minimum temperature down to 5 Celsius that's 41 degrees in Fahrenheit and that's your forecast. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three. On BBC Three Counties Radio. So it's been put forward that maybe British children should learn Polish. Help the Polish families integrate. It's the second most spoken language in this country after English. Well, Claire is a parent from Luton. Morning, Claire. Good morning. You don't think... Well, you don't want your daughter to learn Polish, do you? Um, I'd rather not either of my children learning it. Learning it. I think... I'd, I mean, I, I'd, I think they'd benefit more is learning about the culture and, um, you know... and how Polish people live differently to ourselves. I think that'd be much more um, worthwhile than uh, um, learning the language itself. They have no need to learn the language. Well, there's, there's no need to learn the language, but the, the, it can't be a bad thing learning a foreign language, can it? We can all benefit by that. I think primary um, primary stage, I think, the odd word to, um, to, you know, to be able to sort of um, show an understanding, you know, an acceptance of the other the cultures. But, um, you know, why aren't they learning Hindi? Why aren't they learning Gujarati? You know, you're opening up a whole can of words. Oh, no, Polish, the reason Polish is because it's the second most spoken language in this country. Yeah, but I don't think any of the Asian languages will be far behind it, to be honest. They're significantly, they are significantly far, far behind it. We, we did, uh, I haven't got the figures in front of me, but we looked at it um, uh, a few months ago, and uh, it's English, and then it's Polish. So that's why it's being suggested. But I don't see the children have a need to learn it. They have so much else on the curriculum, um, you know, that they have to learn and understand. I mean, I just, you know, mine are at primary school, if you want to offer it at high school. and But I can't see many children wanting to take it up, to be honest. We kids learn French, don't they, these days? And it's uh, it's simply because it was you know thirty, forty years ago. It's our nearest neighbour, and it's what they speak. But it doesn't really serve any purpose, does it? Um, no, I suppose not. When, when did you last use your your French O level or GCSE? Uh, I did French A level, and I wish I used it a lot more. Yeah. But I don't use it at all now. But um, I think we're more likely. To, my children and my family are more likely to go to a European. French-Spanish-speaking country. We haven't learnt Spanish either, um, to be honest with you. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's nothing, no harm in them picking up a phrase book and, and uh, communicating with friends that way. But I just think children have it so much, in, you know, enough to learn these days without adding another language to it. Claire, thanks very much uh, indeed. Uh, Trevor has texted in. We're in England. The language is English. How about all the other languages, Indian, Bangladesh, Italian, Welsh, etc., etc.? Well, Trevor, the reason that Polish is being put forward, as, I, as I've said, is because it's the second most popular, lang- uh, popular language in this country after English. Jane in Milton Keynes says, Personally, I don't have a problem with the Poles. Has everyone forgotten all those Polish pilots killed in the Battle of Britain? Well, you've got ten more minutes of the show if you want to give us a call. 08459 455 555. And uh, Jonathan Vernon-Smith, the award-winning JVS, will be uh, talking about this after nine o'clock. Today he's asking, is it time for all children to be taught Polish in school? Except he'll probably be asking, is it time for all children to be taught Polish in school? He had a little bit of a boozy night last night. Rightfully so, but um, it, it's, it's definitely going to be worth listening to see if it's uh, the, the car crash that people are expecting it to be. I don't think it will. It'll be wonderful. It's always, it's always a good listen.
08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to uh, give us a call. Uh, okay, thank you very much indeed. Now, um, Laura, Laura, oh, there we go. Laura, come in, come and sit with us in here. Come and sit with Hi, us. I come and sit it. with us in here. Come on, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Come okay. on, come on, in you come. <laughs> Come in. Now, for, for those of you who've been listening to the show with any uh, form of, uh, well, I don't know, whatever, uh, will know that uh, producer Laura is off to have a baby. I'm joined by a gentleman. Sir, what's your name, sir? Danny. Danny Glass. Danny Glass. Move forward, Danny. Shake hands. Move forward to the microphone. Maybe. Come come closer to the mic. Sit down. Sit down, producer Laura. This is a lady. Danny, come and, come and get a little bit closer to this microphone okay, so we can hear yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Now, Danny, we've had you on the show before. You have, Remind, yes. b- b- producer Laura, do you remember Danny? I do. <laughs> I do. Um, Danny is one of the most memorable guests that we've had on this programme. Never. In the eight months I've been producing. Well, well, I mean, that's, uh, that's marvellous, um, considering I'm getting on a bit now. You are, you are getting on a bit, but you're a t- very talented man. For those who don't remember, you are a, a, a club singer. I am, yes. With a bit of a reputation. I have had a bit of a reputation, yes. But apart from that, you're also known as a singer. That's right, yeah. So, and <laughs> we thought it would be nice, producer Laura, you're off to have a baby. Yeah. Um, it, uh, which we're all very excited about. When's the baby due? The baby is due in four weeks tomorrow. Okay, well, we oh, thought it would be nice to send you off with a big fanfare. And yeah. But we couldn't afford that because JVS oh. used up all the budget. So instead, <laughs> yeah. Danny has come in and yeah. Danny's going to sing us uh, a, a little song, aren't you, oh. Danny? Yes. Do you know how nervous I feel? You because, should be. Um, for the listeners may or may not know, but I'm a bit of a control freak and I yep. normally know exactly what's happening yep. on this programme minute to minute yep. if I can help it. Yeah. And now you're here, Danny. I've got no idea what's going on. Well, I, I, well uh, it just caught me by surprise like, yesterday and... No, 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 this was planned months ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't a last-minute thought. <laughs> well, um, my, my memory's not too good. Yeah, it's good, good luck. Now, Danny, what, what track are we going for on here? Is it track one? Uh, track one, yes. If uh, you want to hear the music, you, you might need to put one of yes, the headphones yes, over your ears. So. Um, I haven't sang this song for ages. Oh, ages. you're selling it well. OK, well, hopefully this will... I've not used and, this equipment. Uh, I, hope, I hope this is appropriate, mind you. No, I, well, it, it, it certainly yeah. is. She's a control freak. Right, let's... Hopefully this is going to work. Hopefully. Hang on. Oh, no. Oh... It, here we go. Can you hear that, sir? This is for you, producer Laura, for everything you've done. Thank you. And now, the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll state it clear. I state my case, which I'm serving. I've lived. A lifetime's free I've travelled each And every highway Or more Much more than this I did it my way I'm swaying Regrets She's had a few But then again Too few to mention I did what I had to do And saw it through without exemption I planned each chatted course Each careful step along the byway And more, much more than this I did it my I'm sure you knew when I bit off for the knack 
Definitely not in a shy way. He's pointing to the baby there. Oh, no. Come on, Danny. Oh, no, not me. I did it my way. I've got a mouthful of eggs. He's a man. <laughs> For what's he got? If not himself, then he is not. Take it home, Danny. You say the things he truly feels. And not the world's Oh, one in these. The record shows I took the blow. Yes. That's my blood pressure going sky high. Do you need to lie down? We can find I you think so, yes. You yes. Look <laughs> Laura. Thank you. The, it's, it's literally the least we could do. We, that literally. is so cool. Thank you very much. Oh, and good luck, and good luck to you. Best of luck with the baby. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you so much for the last few months. Yeah. I look forward to, to meeting him. It's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. I, 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 I saw the scan. I saw a winkle. Yeah. Uh, I did, if I'm completely honest. Uh, so I look forward to meeting him soon. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. What, did you say, there's another little thing. There's a, little, a lady I know very well. Emma, she had a little girl like yesterday. What's that? She's now in the hospital. It's well, not about Emma. So, yes, it's, not, it's not about Emma, Danny. It's about, for goodness sake. Right, here's Adam with the travel. For beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. M25, we've still got the slow-moving traffic on the exit slip road to the northbound M1 because of the overturned lorry. They're recovering that now, so that's Junction 21, and it's looking busy both ways. On the clockwise side, there's a bit of congestion back to Kings Langley. It's slow generally clockwise, St Albans through to the A1M, and from Potters Bar to Enfield, anti-clockwise delays this morning start all the way back in Essex at the M11 and go round to the A1M at End, uh, Junction 23 there and it's also rather slow then from the M1 to Watford and from Chorleywood to the M40 M40 itself hasn't been quite t- too bad this morning looking at the cameras right now and as you go past Beaconsfield and down toward the M25 it's f- moving quite nicely A603 in Bedford though has been slow all morning there are some temporary traffic lights up though so that'll be what's causing it from Bedford through to the A1 at the Sandy Roundabout A404 in High Wycombe still looking busy to the M40 and First Capital Connect on the trains now delays of up to 15 minutes they've got a train fault at Farringdon. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Adam and thank you very much to Laura. Good luck with the baby. Very exciting. Thanks for all your help over the past few months. I've got a mouthful of eggs. That's how I'm going to remember you. JBS is up next. 
on FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Congratulations. Good luck, Laura. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon 